got a jet. Welcome to the Cognitive Rampage podcast. My guest today on the show is Andrew Moranti. He is a trainer, a personal trainer, a all-around fitness guru, an exciting guy to talk to. Um, he is motivational just in his talk and his life change. Uh, he's done a lot of things in his life. Um, it was a real pleasure to talk to him. We actually went two hours and 20 minutes, so we went a long time chatting. Um, we talked about, um, you know, kids today and a, and a change of focus. Uh, we talked about how um, focusing on your physical health can make uh, mind and mental and spiritual changes in your life. But we go um, all over the map, really, talking about all kinds of things. But uh, I hope you enjoy. Uh, it was a real pleasure talking to my friend, Andrew Moranti. You work with athletes of all kinds. I mean, yeah. all age groups, right? Everything. Right. Yep. You know, have you seen a generation change between? I mean, how long have you been doing this? Um, oh goodness, uh, 2000. So 15 years. It's a, perfect. So, as of maybe 10 years ago, has there been a generation shift in training or anything like that, or like an, an attitude? Is what I'm really trying to. Yeah, say. I think I think attitude, and I think it's you know I could you know hindsight being 2020, I could almost back it up to where it's almost a mindset thing. Um, you know, kids are looking for the easy way now. Everything's so instant. Everything's so right in front of them. Uh, but yeah, when I first started out, I mean, there were some tough SOBs. Uh, and now, sure, we have them, but, but I think you're right. I mean, I hate to, to say that, you know, we've gotten softer, but we've gotten softer to my point we spoke of earlier. I mean, I, you know, there's, it's a, it's a lost, uh, lost art. I agree. The the the, the tough being a, a I don't want to say being a man, right? I'm going to get in trouble for that these days. You know, if if I say he's got balls or if he's tough or you know be a right. man's man, right? You get you get in trouble for that shit, right? Which is crazy. Yeah, you can't even say certain things these days. Doesn't have balls. You're right. Some some shit like that, man. Yeah. It's awful, man. But I mean, part of that I think is good because it it helps people you know get through some I don't know maybe racism other tough things. It can be good, but. You know, you see it's affecting a kid's life, their, their physical push, uh, and everything. No, that... Right. No, absolutely. I, um, you know, my my background being, you know, coaching and teaching, uh, I, I I taught so I could coach. Right. So I wanted to be a football coach, and the teaching job came with it. One thing that changed was now that I haven't been in the classroom or haven't been an actual, you know, football coach for the last four years, it's actually flipped to where I want to teach more than I want to coach. Um, and when I, when I, I lost my job, basically, I mean, I was, I was a square peg round hole. Um, I was, not, I'm not a corporate individual and I don't know, if, yeah. you know, people, we, people we here. All, right. We all have problems with that one. Right, right. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, public school setting is, is, I mean, for, it's a corporation. I mean, it's, it's everybody, you know, CYA and, um, I, I, I wore my welcome out and they basically, you know, Thanks, but no thanks. And uh, so I, I walked away. I mean, but the issue that I had was I let a little bit of that define me. So when I walked away, it was kind of like, you know, I had just lost my father. Um, uh, basically, lose a dad, lose a job. And I was like, you know, kind of floundering. Like, 
what the hell's going on? What do I do? Yeah. For so long, I was defined by being a football coach, and now that's taken away. The one person I want to talk to about it's not there. So it's just all this crazy stuff, and, and it really kind of set me on, you know, where I am now, three and a half years later, and kind of set the set the the dial, so to speak, of where I want to go. So it was, you know, like you had a, to face a blessing. That. Like you had to face the tough shit to find your passion and what you do now. Yeah, and and it, and, and the passion changes. I mean, it's changing. It's evolving. I, you know, I'd rather say it evolves and change because I still love coaching, but like I said, I've now have have a deeper love for teaching. Um, yeah, you were telling me about a program that you head up down there for uh, girls in Naples. What was it called? It's called the Wellfit Girls Program of Southwest Florida. Uh, it's a fantastic program. It's it's it was started by a lady, Jill Wheeler, uh, who has a Wellfit Institute, and she trained with us at our facility, Total Athletic Performance. And we got to talking one day, and she knew that I was a former high school teacher. Uh, basically, said you're not afraid of that age group. You're, you know that's okay with you. And it's no, it's my favorite age group to be honest with you. And um, she said, let's let's chat. So we grabbed lunch one day, and she told me about this program, which is a five month leadership and empowerment program for for young women, high school girls, nine to twelfth grade. Um, and there's a fitness component, so she asked me to be the fitness director. And the five-month journey, a day of fitness, that could be anything from a f- actual workout to a yoga session. Um, I mean, you name it. The five months ends with a trip to Peru. Oh, fascinating. And it was uh, – I didn't get to go in the first year because they made a documentary of it called Warrior One. And um, Is that number one or spelled out one? Spelled out one. Okay, so Warrior One. You got to look up that documentary. Yeah, warriorone.com. There's a neat trailer information on it and basically go to peru for a 10-day trip first half of the trip is a service project and like this past year it's our second year doing it. this past year i went uh we redid the outside of a kindergarten um i have little ones you know i have a seven a four and a one-year-old and so i mean it just hit home yeah. at the time my son's in kindergarten my my middle daughter is getting ready to go to uh kindergarten so it's like these little kids are so appreciative and grateful um, and, you know, our kids here, my kids are worried about the iPad not being plugged in. These kids are playing with a water bottle. First world problems, right? So it was exactly, it was a very eye-opening experience. Um, but no, yeah, we, we do the trip and then they spend five days doing the sacred trail and seeing Machu Picchu and it's a profound experience. And after my first year doing it and I saw the documentary, I went to Jill and just said, I mean, what a fantastic thing we have here what do you, you know, and what do you do with the girls like a, what's the time frame before the trip and prove what do you do what do you teach them so on tuesdays just i mean they come to me for fitness if you will so we spend an hour and a half and it's everything just getting them ready for this this hike i mean they're they're going to land at eleven thousand feet and they're going to climb all the way up to almost sixteen thousand feet so there's some you know fitness component in there and and, and through through the fitness and it's, it's something else you know i mean obviously it's important somebody knows how to proper technique but there's so many different layers of fitness. I think just fitness is a vehicle for the deeper things. You know, you're going to learn a lot about yourself through through fitness. Um, and, hey, it's great that you can squat well, but, you know, what's a, what, what are we trying to really get to? So we, we bring them into that. It's it's not only proper technique, but it's the mindset. It's the um, who do you want to be keeping, you know, the idea of be better than you were yesterday, just the, the small steps. Um, they spend a day with me, fitness, and then they spend a day in leadership group where they talk about group dynamic, um, all these different issues, social entrepreneurship, um, 
you know, the formation of groups, how to find you. Because every, there's another underlying theme is everybody's a leader. Okay, but it's not really taught. And people are leaders in different ways. And it's not like the social structure really helps out for a leader. It kind of tells you to fall in, dress like this, exactly. act like this. Exactly. You're, you're, you know, be quiet um, type of type of thing. And, and, and this program has built in letting these young teens figure out how they lead best. You don't have to be the rah-rah person. You don't have to be the one in the front. Um, you know, the whole cliche, lead by example. All of those things, everybody's going to be a little bit different. We're all leaders in our own way. And so these girls go through this journey. Um, they spend roughly three hours a week. We advocate and we give them some things. Um, you know, how, how, how much can you increase your fitness in one hour a week? So we give them workouts, to supplemental stuff that they should do on their own, get themselves ready for the trip. But um, after the, seeing the documentary, I went to Jill and said, this is, this is neat. Um, and I even want to push it towards guys. Just because, again, speaking before, having been a football coach and been around that age group, um, young men need need to be taught how to be gentlemen. Um, like I said before, everybody's, we're going to grow up to be men just because of age. We go from baby, boy, man, but nobody really knows the responsibility and privilege that come along with being a gentleman. Mm. You know, uh, A story that sticks in my mind, we're going to a pregame meal, so I'm a head coach. And I got about 50 kids walking towards the cafeteria. I got my, my son at the time, he's probably two, two and a half, um, walking with me. And there was a kid that I can hear him on the phone behind us, and, and he's dropping F-bombs. I mean, like, just dropping F-bombs. Yeah. Bad enough, there's a two-year-old in front of him. He walks past me, and I call him back, and I said, first of all, my son's here. Granted, two years old, how much is he going to remember, say, but just know your audience. And then who are you talking to like that? Oh, it was my mom. And he, he said it like it was just, like it was nothing. And I swear, I mean, I'm still scared of my mom to this day. <laughs> she, she uses the threat of, do you want to swallow your teeth? And she, I, there's just enough of it to where I believe she would do it to get me, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. And, you know, I, hey, it's, but it's a respect. Yeah. And so that's a story that sticks with me. Not only just... It's not, he, he wasn't taught any different. I don't blame the kid, but the situation that he was in, he felt like that was acceptable. Yeah. Even for me, the language may not bother so much, but it's as if, though no one else was present to a point, as if there weren't other perceptions around. Right. And for me, it, also the your mom, you're coming at like with like that. Ah, that's hard, that's right? A, that, no, and, and I'm the same way with language. I mean, I you know that's one of my issues. You know, was I had a mouth and. um that was another thing about being in that setting where I almost felt like uh, I let them control the type of coach I was or the type of person I was. Um, I couldn't be a raw, passionate, you know, wear my emotions on my sleeve. Everybody look at me, man, he looks pissed. Okay, he looks pissed. Well, so you could use the power of you to help coach. It's right. like fit in this cookie-cutter frame or get the fuck out. Exactly, and, and that's, that's what happened. And I was I was a little blinded in the sense of I probably should have left a year or two before I did, but again I was stubborn and and wanted to make it work and um, put the work in. You had a love for it. No, no, yeah, I still do. And I mean, uh, I right now it's not the right time place for me to get back into it. But um, I don't blame you. I have a, no. a few teacher friends, and uh, one of them was on the podcast not too long ago. We actually had to black out his name and his picture and everything. 
and he went off, you know, on the school system. I got a family member that's experienced the school system just like that to where it's conform or die. Yep. And one of the most influential teachers, you know, to touch kids' lives today that still talk to me, you know, mm-hmm. about him. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how they do that. And I think it, it, it speaks to the same education system, whereas fit within the cookie-cutter education system, and if you don't, something's wrong with you. And right. probably have a diagnosis and give you pills, you know. And rather than allowing these kids to just freely allow their thoughts to take them where their interest goes, to where they can oh, yeah. be them, and the same goes for teachers and coaches. Exactly. You know, I, we were fortunate. My my young, they all, not the youngest, but the other two have gone on Montessori school. And I had I knew nothing about Montessori. I still really don't know enough, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I do. But but that aspect of the kids gravitate towards what they gravitate towards, right. and they are allowed to. They think learning's fun. They explore things. They they would come up to this table and see things and ask questions. Yep. Not sit in the desk and and be told. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, there's a theory out that this guy did this long term research mm-hmm. where he took a computer only in English and set it up in a rural Indian. Uh, over in India, a village. First, he did it kind of in a city uh, and got a response, but there's some bias. So long story short, he does this experiment. He drops off a computer in a, a middle of fucking nowhere place with some universal power in English. He comes back in six months, and all the young kids from the, tr- from the uh, local village have gathered around it, and this young girl speaks back to him. And she, he goes, how did you all do this? And they're playing games on the computer. He put none of that on there. And she turns around, and she goes, well, first we had to learn English because you left all the instructions in English. And then once we learned English, we could use the computer to find what we wanted to find. Now, this is a little girl in the middle of nowhere, India, that just learned a language because they needed something. They had an interest to something. Yeah. And that self-drive learning is real. Yeah. And, and our school system, you know, points away from, you know, from doing that and allowing those kids to unfold. Yeah, as long as you're meeting the, the standards and the benchmarks. They could, they could care less. Pass the fucking test and move you on. And, and they teach the fucking test, which is even worse. And so, yeah. No so. critical thinking. And so this group that you're heading up, the uh, the young girls group down mm-hmm. here in South and down down there in Southwest Florida, yeah. they're teaching the classes like leadership, worldly, real information, stuff that the girls are. The whole idea is that once you get through the program, you're going to be able to take the information. It's going to have changed you in some way, shape, or form for the better, and you're going to have that positive impact on the community. Now, that community could be just the people in your house, but if we change the house, we may be able to change the street. Yeah. We change the street. We could change the neighborhood, and obviously, we can extrapolate that and go on and on and on. Um, there was a girl in the first group, and her name slips me, but the story goes um, she was a Hispanic girl, only English speaker in her house. Uh, nobody's into fitness. Nobody's into any of this movement or just betterment beginning of the trip or beginning of the program. Not real sure. You can even see on the documentary, like just the, 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 the film crew goes to her house and you, you can just tell her follow-up interview. So this is in January trips in June, her follow-up interview, late June, early July. She basically gets her mom, her dad, her brother, people out of the house. They go for walks. They have little competitions. So I mean, it's a small it's a small point, but she brought that to her house. Yeah. She bettered her house for for her having bettering herself, you know. Um, so absolutely, it, it allows for kids to figure out things on their own. You know, we're going to give them some ideas, but it's we want those light bulbs to go off. We want them to to be able to facilitate their own answers. 
you know, come up with their own answers. And let's, let's face it, it's true. You know, I've, I've, I've seen a few uh, teenage clients, you know, over over my time, and it's it, it was almost the same story as how the dad or the mom would be pointing out all these things and giving interest to the child, you know, doing the right thing. And then the kid's just non-receptive, you know, just completely shut out, rather just sleep and smoke pot or something, or you know. And then, you know, I'd talk to uh, him or her, and I would get, um, you know, I, I just want my own thing, you know. And so the minute mom or dad makes an interest, right. it can't be their own thing. Yep. You know, instead of letting them kind of gravitate toward it, then providing it for them. Absolutely. No, it's, um, and I think that, that I try not to do that with mine. You know, I mean, you have children, and it, it's one of those things where it's that so hard. It's so hard, and it, but it's it's so neat. You know, I mean, I, I think you know, part of my journey right now is you know, kind of like, what have I done? You know, and some people have like, you know, shut your mouth. You have three great kids. You have, you know, you're doing what you like. That you know, you have it. Yeah, but there's more. You know, there 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 there's really there's more to it, and it's kind of like um, I realize that part of it is every day such a privilege to be a parent, such a privilege to uh, to do what we're doing. So, And you're, when you when you try to find that notion to keep pushing through it and want to keep driving daily uh, and, and provide those right ideas and those right things, like you said, it's, it's such a difficult tightrope to walk. Yeah. You know, it's really hard trying to, you know, push them towards something, you know, because you know they got to do something, mm-hmm. but allowing the creative spirit, and then you get worried. You know, two days of doing nothing, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's just going to turn into two weeks, two months, right? <laughs> That's right, man. But, you know, you said earlier in the podcast, the passion keeps evolving and changing. Right. You know, and so I think you're right. It's not done. You know, no. for those of us like you and those out there that, that wake up one day and they see that and they, yeah. they, they chase that daily competence, you know, with the, the passion, enthusiasm. Yeah. And that, that it can change every day for people. It does, and and you know a, a thing that um, listening to different podcasts and reading different books. And Who you listen to? Who you listen to and read? Oh man, um, my favorite podcast right now. Um, Cognitive Rampage. Cognitive Rampage, uh, number one on the list. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, um, I'm a fan of, uh, and you may have heard of him, um, Garrett J. White, uh, Warrior on Fire. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, just because I like. He's a PE teacher, football coach, and he says fuck, and he could care less what people think, and he just tells it like it is. And so I was drawn to that um, gentleman by the name of Mike Dillard. Uh, he's a self-made man, is the name of his podcast. It it goes along. It, they all are on, along those same lines of, hey, we got to take back being men. You know, um, we have a responsibility and a privilege. It, it's such a responsibility and such a privilege to to be able to show the young ones, even if you don't have kids, you're, somebody, somebody's watching you, you know, um, reading book right now, uh, the obstacle is the way. Ah, yeah. yeah. Ryan holiday. Ryan holiday. Yeah. Um, great book. Aubrey Mark, uh, Marcus, uh, Aubrey uh, Marcus, warrior poet. Yeah. Listen to his podcast. Um, good stuff. Man. No, man, it, it's just, it's, it's the, it's the idea of, um, you know, your message, your message, um, you know, we're talking about the idea of, you know, this book that I'm working on. I don't know the stat exactly, but 70 to 80 percent of the people say they want to write a book, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's the whole notion. I think it's a sexy thing to say I'm writing a book or, or whatever the mystique and all that sort of stuff is. It is so fucking hard. It, well, right. And it, my, my, my whole idea is so it, it's just basic and, and, and so. But 
uh, it's been over a year, and it's just the idea of collaborating with somebody else because it's kind of a book that I need, I'm in need of. My whole angle was, like I said before, fitness is just we can go on Amazon and download and buy however many fitness books, and they're going to give you a program, and it's some of it works, some of it doesn't work. I think everything works if you work. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'll never bash CrossFit or or any of those other ideas because I, sure. I like aspects of everything. Yeah. And it, it's individual, isn't it? Yeah, fuck it. it. It works if you work. So, so I didn't want to do another fitness book because there's a thousand of them out there, and I'm really obviously big into the personal development or personal growth. There's more to me than just this, so I want to look at different avenues of how I can, like you talked about, you know, those question sessions. You know, what am I supposed to do? What am, what am I supposed to do right now? Um, and, and, and find those ways. So I kind of wanted to marry those ideas. But then when I talked about losing my dad, we were kind of polar opposites in a sense of he was 300-plus pounds, diabetes, heart disease. He Losing him made me, when I left coaching, I was about 300 pounds and realized that I had just lost my father, had a two-year-old, had one on the way. I'm going down the same path, and something's got to give. So I can hear and, and see these things, and it's like i got to change. So I wanted to kind of, quote-unquote, write the book that I need. So it's, if you will... That's a good title. <laughs> the book that I need. The, I like that. The book that I need. It's It's a... It's my journey of mindset. I, I think that I only have about a half of a chapter in there as far as fitness or workouts. It's, you know, what's, what's your purpose? Um, finding that purpose, being part of a community, whether you want to work out in your backyard, but you still need to find a community. Um, give people some ideas on workouts and active rest and that sort of stuff. Um, but then putting it all together. What do I do now? The second half is of cookbook. Oh, recipes. And it's more so um, not necessarily technique, but a little bit, but it's more that rustic, holistic cooking, whole food, good, you know. What's cook- the go-to? What's, the, what's, your, what's your money shot in there? As far as food? Yeah, what's your money shot recipe? Well, I'm, I'm fortunate. A guy that I train in the morning is an is a executive chef down there, and he's similar scenario lost a ton of weight. He's got the nutrition and, 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 and science of cooking background. So he's who I'm collaborating with, and he's taking on that sort of thing, uh, the recipe part. Excuse me. But what we did was uh, I went to some local celebrities, if you will, power lifter, endurance guy, yoga person, crossfitter, and basically just interviewed them. So I'm, I had no expertise in endurance sports. So you know, bringing in all these different genres of fitness and these different ways to express and, and, and find yourself, if you will. Um, so it's, it's going to have a little bit of everything for the masses. It sounds like the book everyone needs. <laughs> there you go. I'll use it. <laughs> no, but it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's an exciting project. Like you said, it's freaking hard as hell. It's hard. You know what I, what I tell when I, somebody asks me about how it, how it is writing a book. And I said, well, it's going to be kind of nasty. So, um, mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, wife, um, I love you. Uh, but no, the, what I say is writing is like when you're drunk at 
3 a.m. on a Tuesday and you call that girl you know you shouldn't. But you know it'll be fun when you do. And then you get there, you do it, and then you wake up in the morning and go, fuck, what did I do? That is writing to me. It's like, I, I got to go in there. I got to go in the cave and I got to dive in, right? And then I'll be in there for six, seven, eight hours. Then the sun peaks up in the office or in the cave and I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> and I'm, I don't know, I'm, yeah, I'll go 30,000 words over Damn. a month, you know, something like that. Right. That's kind of where I'm at, I think, right now. Uh, the chemical incarceration book actually is now turned to a damn documentary, man. That's so, awesome. But yeah, the, the writing's difficult, man. It, it's hard. And I think you're right that, that everyone, I, I like to say that I think everyone has a book in their own life. Yes. Yes. No, I was just about to say the exact same thing. It's, you know, and it's neat to, we all tell ourselves stories. And a lot of the outcomes we get are based on the stories we tell ourselves. Uh, and that's why I really resonated with the idea of it was a book that I needed because the more I wrote and the more I saw it on a piece of paper and the more I was like, you know, did I just say that? Mm-hmm. Is that, you know? And so it was neat for, you know, almost kind of a working journal with just, you know, some, some outline and some topics. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, my wife kind of looks at me, you know, crooked where she's like, who, who, who the hell are you? You know, two years ago, I wasn't talking about meditation. I wasn't talking about, um, you know, just these these different ideas of and these questions. Um, um, so that's what drives me right now, man. You I woke up. I did. I, I, did. I think that's what we try to describe to people, right? When we're like, wake up. Are you are you waking up? Are you seeing what's in front of you? No, exactly. And the hard part is, is how do you, I'm having trouble with and dealing with being around people that are still sedated and still just in their fog. And I kind of want to shake them and just, you know. Um, Matrix, Matrix style. Yeah, but everybody's got to find it on their own. You know, I wasn't. I, I still agree, my friend. I kind of think that I found it when I was supposed to find it. Uh, and there's different. I mean, there's so much stuff. I know you know there's so much stuff I want to do and say and put out there. And it's it's just, man, my, my head hurts sometimes about, you know, all these different uh, groups that I know I can help. I know I can reach. Um, I got over the, the fact of, well, who are you or what do you know? It's not about that. It's just about sharing, and it's about what I've done, it's experience, as opposed to teaching theory. I'm just going to teach experiences. Well, the experience, I think, is what creates the theories. I mean, we, we live something. You know, what I say is that, you know, seeking competence leads to confidence, which breeds enthusiasm. And in the, in the enthusiasm is where you find happiness. And so, but the competence can become a loose term. So when you're, what does competence mean in the search it out? So searching competence really requires having an experience and so it's those experiences that create moments those moments of aha those passion moments that's what i talk about in my book and so as you chase down competence even through a little bit of interest it can spark something you had no fucking idea mm-hmm. you know next thing you know your uh, wife is diagnosing you as manic <laughs> right didn't really happen here no but you know and then because it's not it's not ego driven. That's right. That's no. not, it's hard to, to communicate that. Exactly. I, I was fortunate enough, uh, down in Collier County where I live in Naples, we're the first, um, blue zone. Um, I saw that. Yeah. Designated. And I got through Wellfit Institute. I got asked to be a uh, purpose workshop facilitator. So they train us for three days. And basically it's these different exercises for people to figure out. What's your purpose? You know, and it's, it's cliche. It's, it's your why. It's your this. And there's some really neat exercises that, that they do. But I, I had to go through the workshop three times as part of the training. 
And the, the neat thing was, and, and it helped me flip or evolve my passion, every single damn time I do these exercises, education and teaching would come up. Helping others would come up. And it solidified for me and kind of validated that whatever I'm going to do next, that has to be, you know, I finally listened to that little voice inside that, you know, I was too much of a dick to say, all right, I got you. We'll, we'll go back I to could teaching. be wrong. Yeah. Right? right. I could be wrong. It's yeah. hard to start off your life, right, by going, wait, I could be fucking up here. Right. And, you know, I was I was just happened enough times where I think I finally listened and said, okay, the, the next thing is going to be education slash teaching, but I'm not going to be in a classroom. You know, I don't, I don't I, that's another, another whole deal, man. I don't, I don't think four walls make, make a, I make could, a classroom. I couldn't agree more. I think sometimes it even gets a little weird, the fact that we send them directly into a social driven community of hierarchy before we actually instill in them self-love. Right? right. And so I, even in the fuck, man, you got me going nuts on my book. It, but that environmental change, man, it's so influential. And so at that young age, they're standing there with no idea of who they are, what they are, what they believe. So they look at these external environments and they go, well, they look happy. Um, how do I get with those people at those places to do those things? And so they assimilate that external environment to their internal. Right. Next thing you know, I say it's called living your unauthentic life. Right. They let those environments influence them. Yeah. You know, and, and change them. But this, you know, what you're talking about, these things, the leadership, the purposeful thing that you're doing, the leading these girls here, you're providing those environments. And, and the, Yeah, thank you. And, then, and the neat thing is, talking about some of the, the podcasts that I listen to, are, you know, these guys are leading men. They're in their 30s, 40s, 50s even, to where they're either burned out, they lost the passion, whatever, wherever they fall. But I, like I told you before, you know, that, that teenage year, I like. I think you see the most change. I would watch a kid come in as a freshman, and nine times out of ten, he's a different individual. She's a different individual by the time they graduate. They're so and it, vulnerable then. Man, it's such a neat, malleable, cool time. And, yeah, first couple of years teaching, I was a biology, biology teacher. I thought I could change the world. You know, I'm sitting here, you know, going to change one life at a time. Well, realizing that that's a, a tall task, but now, having looking back, it's, it's the, it's the best part. So these guys that are leading these men groups to get back, you know, the leadership and the, the alpha male, if you will, to, you know, we lost that. We have to be that role model. I even want to take it a step to where it's a younger, it's the, it's the next generation. It's the teenagers because, again, if we can change that teenager in some way, shape, or form and just not necessarily change but let them see, let them ask the questions instead of telling them what they should be. Let them, let them ask the questions. You know what I'm saying? And answer those questions, and just be there to be there to guide them. And um, I think that's important because a lot of times, you know, they're, it's almost like when we're children. It's the minute we can talk, we're told to shut up and listen, as Cat Stevens would say. <laughs> and you know, I think it's important to get the younger generation to uh, one. I think be allowed to ask questions and be heard, right. you know, instead of just being told what is. You know, sometimes my daughter and I sit down and, uh, you know, she'll pose a quantum physics question without even realizing she's posing the quantum <laughs> physics question. And then, you know, we'll be an hour into it, and she's got me going, shit, I never thought about that. You know, that they, I think for me, they're, they're closer to purity than we ever could be at our older age, right? Because they haven't quite been totally infected with the fuck, you know, the, yes. the, 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 the messed up vision, you know? Right. And, and, it's, and that's the... 
that's the that's the privilege that's the responsibility and that's that's the voice in me that's kind of where the whole thing's going is is it's there's i i used to tease players of mine that you know when they knew i was having a boy my wife is six one um i'm six one and so i i kind of used to joke and just say that i was i was put on earth to have my kids are going to beat up your kids <laughs> and just messing around you know and just and just you know again kind of letting them know that i still had them but it's it to take that away you know i was i was put here to influence and help young people you know and i'm not afraid to 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 coach or mentor somebody my age or older i've never had to really do it in an intense setting but i mean man if i just i just truly believe that if just the if those young kids can get the tools necessary it's a skill set right yeah that's what it is if we can give them the skill set to to move on and be confident and and be okay with themselves i think you know the next generation would be so much better for it and i think you're in the right place in fitness to do that because you know and i see you know granted obesity is not doing is kicking america's ass yeah and but when you do see a, a young uh, girl or a young boy uh, coming into high school that does find fitness and they do find that part of them, you can you see how it changes them. You see the confidence build. You you see that start to happen. And I, I got to be honest with you. All right, I'm, I'm gonna fucking put this shit out there. Good. All right, fuck. All right, I've been having an issue with sports in general, right? Okay. Only because I'm an ex-athlete. I played a long time. I put a lot of work into it. You, there's no doubt you can't take away from what that made me, those experiences, all the things that off the field or off mm-hmm. the court that, you know, you and I know exist. Because mm-hmm. you can't teach that shit, right? right? And I, I thought, is there a way to adapt those same principles, A, without the constant head trauma, mm-hmm. right, that you experience playing, you know, certain sports? But when I became a counselor, I ran into a lot of athletes. And when my career was over, I went fucking nuts. You know, I I went down Ecstasy Cocaine Avenue. I was a fucking wild man and nearly died a bunch of times, you know. So when I lost the title of who I was, right, when Mm -hmm. I lost that, like you spoke about earlier, when I lost that title of football player, I was left with, who the fuck am I? And that had me thinking about, man, how good is it to be saying, look, you're a sports athlete, right? And when that goes away... I'm on this new kick that I think there's this thing called athlete depression, which I think is completely different than real generalized depression. Okay. That's the next book. <laughs> right. So athletes experience the world differently. Yeah. When you're cultivated to perform. Right. And then you're no longer asked to perform. That's fucking devastating. You know, and so then I so I've been on the fence with this sports thing, right? With this because I'm a huge fitness fanatic. It changes everything. It's necessary. Like you said. You got kettlebells you. on the table, man. Of oh, course. right. I'm in it, right? Because right? It, it teaches you who you are, right? Yeah. It's also healthy because, but the, you know, help me here. Sell me on something, Andrew. The, you, you see where I'm on the fence with it? No, I do. And, um, I think you're on the, you're going on the right side of the fence because, again, not to name names. Um, I personally didn't have, uh, I didn't coach some of these individuals, but guys who played in the NFL for eight, nine, ten years seen a couple of them um, that had their head on right, mm-hmm. go back to school, I'm going to get my MBA. Uh, there's going to be, there were some guys who, uh, Round two. Yeah, they, uh, they wanted to go advocate for athletes mm. because, 
you know, they see in the locker rooms, I fortunately have only seen the positive side, but I know there's a negative side that, that just from listening to them talk, uh, guys get out of the league, whatever league, and, you know, without the right guidance and without the right, you know, being grounded or right, you know, the, the circle of influence you got those five closest people, if they're pulling you or you don't have them or whatever it is, it's a it's probably a big bat, you know dark place that they're going to go. Um, and you do so. Yeah, I would I would have to. I think that's that's kind of brilliant in the sense of thinking that so long you're on such a stage, you got such a platform, you got I mean hell you got jerseys with your name on it, right? Mm-hmm. And then all you got left one day is maybe one hanging in your office, and uh, again being defined by nobody looks at me that way anymore. And so now I've got to all I've done is this so now what do i do and they try to make it work and some of them do and i think that's a you're probably getting to the root of i mean why so many of the poor bastards that make millions two, two three years out, out of the league or out of whatever sport they're playing they don't have anything to show for it you know uh, hell fighters john bones jr yeah. john bones jones i mean they all feel that effect man and you know i i heard fuck, i want to quote i don't know maybe it was just a mentor of mine leo i think it was leo talking about it but he said some of the biggest issues, you know, that kids face, and this is why another reason the sports kind of puts me on the fence mm-hmm. with kids anyway, is what it does is it teaches that the value of who you are is based on how you perform. So then if you perform poorly, you have no value. And so you tell a six-year-old, listen, if you don't run this fucking touchdown, right, we're taking you out of all this shit you love. And then they do it, they do it, they love it, right? So now you're a great person. And then when you perform poorly, thus you have no value. Right. No, and, and I can see it. And my son, is it's his first year playing flag football. He's seven. And fortunately, there's some really good dads, and they're doing the right thing. You know, I haven't yet come across Those a, are rare. a parent there. I love how you said it, a parent. I, I know exactly what you mean. Being on the flip side in high school, the, these poor kids, again, I go back to the kid that's cursing, dropping F-bombs. Fuck, Mom. Come on. What the hell? It's not the kid's fault. They would leave practice, get in the car with dad, and dad's coaching them up. Dad's telling them how they should do things. Dad's telling them that they had a good practice. Dad's telling them they had a bad practice. So it goes back to that whole mindset issue of, um, have you read the book Mindset? It's sitting in there, okay. and it is the first book I gave my daughter. So you know in there about you know, the way you praise a kid. You know, but book by Carol Dweck. I mean, you you praise a kid, and you, we don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. But if you tell a kid he's doing good all the time, or she's did so, she's great, she's so smart, she's this. You read the book, and you can kind of see how, on the one hand, you think you're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but how you're fixing that kid to where now all of a sudden, I had kids that would cry in my office because they couldn't please their parent. There's a documentary out, bro, called Trophy Kids. Have you seen this? Uh, is it okay? I, maybe I'm thinking of something different. But is it? Does it have a, a golfers? Like yeah, a little one yeah. little girl. And Chris, dad, uh, it's Chris Bohr or Chris Bell. I don't know. The dad's being a complete dick. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I've seen part. And there was a who's the um. Hey, Steve, Steve, look it up so I know his name's right. Chris, I want to say Chris Bell or Chris Bohr from uh, Trophy Kids. But isn't afterwards they uh, they do like a round table, right? And the, who's the actor that is a um. Oh, it was um, a hockey player. Was it on, was it on HBO? Yeah. Yes, I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, my dad was the one dad with the football player, 
okay. I'm out at 5 a.m. doing drills. The kid's like, I don't want to fucking do this. You know, I wasn't like that. Right, but, but no, you have these poor kids, and it's just, you know, and then, then I mean, of course, I would ask the question of, okay, so are you playing for your dad? Do you have a jersey on because you want somebody in your house to think more of you? Is this something you really want to do? Mm. And they couldn't answer those questions. They, nobody's ever asked those questions. See, like we said, nobody cares what they got to say. Nobody cares. And nobody nobody gives them the – they're afraid to say what they want to say. Um, they, I mean, there's so many different layers, you know. Could not agree more. And so, you know, you, you get this kid in here, and it breaks your heart. I mean, it crushes you. To, and, it, you know, it's kind of like I believe that people are put in your life to either – kind of show you what to do or show you what not to do. Mm-hmm. And I used to tease all the time, and it came true. I said, the day I stop coaching football uh, will be the day that I know exactly how to parent because I'm going to take every all these stupid assholes, and that's exactly what they were. I mean, these dads, it, you know, they just didn't know it. They thought they had their kids' in, you know, best interest in, in mind, but – they're just being. They, they didn't know what they were doing, and and to have a have a 16 or 17 year old male um, cry because he just couldn't please his dad about football. And so what happens is now he acts out. Now I'm the dick. I'm the bad coach. I'm not playing him. He's a running back. He really should be a linebacker. You know, it's just this cascade of crap. And it's all because when we sit back and we strip it away, dad is living. Yeah. Through this song. Per- perform for me. I couldn't do it, so you do it. Um, and the dad's the one that really wants him to do it. He's embarrassed if the team loses. The dad's embarrassed if the kid doesn't play well. The dad's embarrassed. So now the kid's got not only the pressure of how do I feel and how do I perform, but then my performance affects a grown man. How, how fucked up is that? Oh, it's, it, I mean, how does a 15-year-old deal with that? And for kids to even realize it. So, I mean, to me, I mean, again, it's flag football, but, I mean, right now my question is, hey, did you have fun? That's it. Did you have fun? That's it. Let's go, man. Come on. Let's have fun. High five your teammates, say thank you to your coaches, and let's go. Yeah. And that's, and that's, because that's what it's about now. And if he can take that, if he plays football, baseball, doesn't play a sport, I don't care. It's about, did you have fun? You're doing it for the right reason. Because, again, I'll never put my son, my daughter in a situation where, they gotta they gotta worry about how I feel, let alone what what yeah it's just crazy. Like we should like you know we're I, I don't know we're to, I hate saying supposed to but aren't we supposed to be their biggest cheerleader? Because you know I, I talked to one one dad once and I said, uh, listen, you're pushing your son and you're doing the right things. I said, but your coach also, you're also a trainer, your nutritionist and your dad. I said, who does he talk to when it's going shitty in his head? You know, and he's like, fuck, I never realized that. I said, does he talk to coach? Does he talk to, you know? Right. You know, and separating yourself from that is really, really hard for competitive dads like us that come from sports and training. It is. No, it's, it's, and it's going to get harder because again, it's, he's so young and he's just having fun and that's what it's about. But, um, no, man, it's, uh, it's neat to see all these kids running around. You know, they're still in that like amoeba. They all just chase the balls. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a soccer ball or a football. How old? Seven. He just turned seven in August. So you got these six and seven year olds just kind of following and weaving around, and it's it's just neat, man. You know, and it's um, it's so again, go back to the what what have I done? You know, being a dad's the the coolest thing ever, and it's neat. You know, 
why can't we live through – I can live through him and have – he's got a game tomorrow morning at 10. It's going to be a blast being out there, watching him run around and just have fun. But I don't, I, my day doesn't have to, to you know, did my, did my seven-year-old throw a touchdown pass or not? Oh, man. And, you know, I when I first got back, I went, I went through kind of a life-changing experience. Again, I write in the book, I call that my spiritual rampage. Okay. I went on this spiritual rampage for two years. My walkabout is what I called it. I just disappeared. I was on a Native American reservation. I was in the Keys. I, yeah, I was just gone. I, I'm going to stop you real quick. You're a pretty cool motherfucker. Just, <laughs> this guy. No, I'm serious. I, on Facebook, you want a kayak trip. I show my wife after you had asked me to be on. I show, I'm like, I was like, look at this. Good thing he answered me because he's going away for three days. And you had that picture wherever the hell you're going. I mean, just, again, not to cut you off, but it's ballsy to be able to do that sort of stuff. Oh, man. You, thank you. It, 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 I don't know. My wife allows me to just be me. Awesome. Now, remind me to tell you the dolphin story of that fucking experience. Holy shit. I promise I'd tell it on Facebook and social media, and I've yet to tell it on a podcast. All right. Holy fuck me. Fuck Dolphin. We'll get to it later. Fuck Dolphin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, but anyway, what the fuck was I talking about earlier? You were a walkabout. Your spiritual yes. rampage. I came back, and the first thing I did when I came back to Orlando is I went to the YMCA, and I started coaching flag football, right? It's all I knew. And these seven- and nine-year-olds, man, I'll get the clint right here, but I'm not. I'm, I'm man enough to tell you that. <laughs> and I... And I coached those little boys through that year, little men, you know, mm-hmm. and they did more for me on that first year return from my walkabout than anything in my life had ever really done, except maybe the walkabout, right. you know. And I told those little those young men at the end of the season, you know, and I couldn't help. I did. I teared up. I choked up. I'm like, you guys have no idea, you know. Thank you. And I came back and coached the following year, man. It's so fun to watch them, like just hungry for just fun. Yeah, and they they don't it, and. At that age, and see, that's it's a perfect, perfect thing because so take that seven and nine year old, my son, your team, go to high school. They're having fun, right? They're having fun. Yeah. They're excited to be there. All they want to do is shake hands and play with their teammates and jump around and dance and all that sort of shit. Somewhere, you tell me, in the next eight years, okay? So I'm seven, now I'm 15, or now I'm nine and I'm 17, and all of a sudden football is not fun. What happened? So it's 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 a, it's a taught and learned behavior. It's a taught and learned attitude. It's a taught and learned mindset. Yeah. And you try to unfuck stuff at high school, that, and you realize, now I know, I'd be a better coach now, having been away for a long time. But now you know that somewhere along the line, those kids are fed, you know, horseshit. Yeah. You know, somewhere the fun's taken out of football. I get it. You put pads on it. Guys get bigger, faster. You hit. It hurts a little bit, but the when you when you when you cut it down, your team of seven and nine year olds had a blast. Oh my man, you had a blast. Those little shit saved me. I love those little kids. Yeah. And Brad Hoffman's a friend of mine who listens to the podcast. Or Holman, Brad Holman. Sorry, buddy. Um, but I coach his two young boys, uh-huh. and now they're playing high school football. So I see a picture of him. Him, you know, you know, Brad sure. standing next to the kid. I'm just like, man. That was like a little, it was a little kid, yeah. you know, that, but that time saved me, you know, just giving back the knowledge that I had. Fuck, dude, I was homeless at the time, dude. I was sleeping in a fucking Tahoe. I was sleeping in a 98 Tahoe and I was fucking homeless and I was coaching kids at the fucking YMCA, bro. Good for you. That, that's when I came back, man. I swear to God, that shit was fucked up. I loved it. No, and, and if I had to scrape everything away and, and. When I, so I got out of teaching and coaching, go to the private sector, work at Total Athletic Performance, and 
when WellFit came along, what is, that, it, is that the the young girls? Yeah, WellFit Institute, WellFit Girls Program. That's so cool. What what that gave me that that the normal private sector can't is what at the root of everything is I was able to be part of something bigger. I was able to bigger than me, bigger than, and I was able to do one thing and literally watch that affect hundreds of people. Because if you sit there and you say you have 11 or 12 girls in the program, they're all coming from a family, they're going back to school, they're doing these sorts of things, and they're implementing what's being taught and what they're learning. And that right there, that's what coaching gave me early on, being part of something bigger than, than myself. Uh, and I lost it. And then, again, going back to, you know, seeing the joy, seeing these kids being happy, and then seeing these older girls take stuff and, and go run with it and go use it and, and, and learn about themselves uh, is is the most – it's one of the most re- rewarding things that I've been a part of. I'm all, I'm, I'm all drifted into you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, man. Right? <laughs> yeah. And it's and, and that's why I'm so I, – I, I am passionate with, with Jill Wheeler, the lady who started it. We need to – it's great that we're doing it with the, with the girls. She did a ton of women's programs. She would take groups of women to Puerto Rico and kite surf and, and do all these neat, like, three- and four-day excursions. And I say excursion, it's more of immersion to where they're just getting into it. Yoga, meditation, kite surfing, getting out of your comfort zone, that whole growth space idea. Well, she dialed it back a bit and said, okay, instead of women, we're going to do teenage young women. I come into the picture and I'm like, this is fantastic, but we need to do it for teenage boys, you know. There needs to be that kind of gap to where you're not you're not getting leadership, you're not getting empowerment, you're not getting and and don't take me wrong. There's some great coaches out there, there's some great teams, there's some great leaders, and but I think it's it's such a minority to where the atmosphere and the platform um, embraces that and and pushes leadership. I was I felt I was guilty of it. It was my way or the highway. And that was because you're with the masses. You got 120 kids, you know, and you got to rile them all in. You got to kind of, you know, keep them, keep them in. You got to play the generalist. Yeah, and you know, you, you know, what one, what a rule that is for everybody. That's tough to do. Um, so it's it's there, but it's not the best setting for these types of things. Leaders, we gave titles of captain, right? How many kids not to be a captain? No. You know, it, I mean, there's different styles of captain. That's just it. Yeah. Everybody can be a captain in their own way. That's right. Everybody can be a leader in their own way. So that's why I think it's imperative that young men get taught this as well. For me, these seem to be the more important classes and topics that should be taught in class. You know, there should be a whole fucking class in high school about insurance and credit. You know, but, but, but they don't teach this shit. You know, they don't, they don't teach these ideas, yeah. right? Uh, you know, honor, the idea of honor itself is a lost cause taught. Anywhere, really, you know. Um, I think a lot of the ideas of empathy and honor, and they, they get lost in some of it. You know, sports I think helps keep those notions around to right. a point because it's warrior esque. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think you know you talk you talked about earlier in the podcast is that that interpersonal battle of training because dude, you swift by it real quick, dude. But you were three hundred pounds, and all of a sudden your whole fucking life changes. That's kudos to you. That's that's tough. And then you change your whole life because of this, because of a, an, an event that changes you, you know. And 
and you follow a passion. No, exactly. Thank you. No, it it was one of those where, and the only reason I know I, I weighed, it was 298.6. The last time I had opened the Nike Run app on my phone, you know, you put your age, whatever in there, 298.6. And so I leave in December. I quit coaching, but I'm, I'm still teaching there. And it was easy. You know, you watch film at, at lunch. You have a Chinese restaurant down the street. You got public subs. You, do, you know, so I, I ate terrible, drank. I mean, it just wasn't a healthy situation. That second semester, I didn't eat lunch. I worked out at lunch. I didn't want to be near the, the coach's office. I didn't want to be near the film room. I just I just had to remove myself. I was, you know, I was pissed. I was pissed. So I lost probably 30 pounds in that semester just because of all the crap that I was eating and now I'm not eating and all that sort of stuff. And realizing that, you know what, my habits, my habits at school, my habits at home, I've got little ones now. It's about them. It's not about me anymore. Uh, and so, you know, and I say it's not about me. If, if, it, if my health's not there, if my mindset's not there, if I'm not the best I can be, I know it trickles down. So don't get me wrong. I I, I was just about to ask you, I have, you tell those parents? And I'm like, you just did it. No, I, I, have, I have my morning routine. You know, I'm, I'm up at 5, um, in the gym for 6, and, you know, but I come back home to bring my oldest to school. So, but I have my routine to where come 7.30, I've taken care of me. And so now I'm charged and I'm ready to go to be with the seven-year-old, to be with the clients we have, that sort of thing. Um, I think that's important because a lot of people, they start families, they get married, and it's going to sound fucking harsh, but they take on this martyrism as if like, well, I don't have time for me because I have to do this. When truly it's the opposite. Now, because you have this family, it's now why even more importantly you need to focus on your health and teaching the health. I write my book. I say, look, we can bullshit all day about the important things we have to teach our children. But let's be honest. And I say, eat this. Don't do this. This stops suffering. And I said, what else really importantly is there to teach your children other than this will kill you, this won't, this eases suffering? Right? Without question. And I have dear friends of mine from college. They're wonderful people. They're, I mean, they're they're good men. But I don't know how many conversations we've had when we all get together once or twice a year. And it's just about family first, family first, family first. I get it. It's a noble idea, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be the guy that says it's everything for my family. That, to me, is the – that comes after the comma, you got to take care of dad. You know, when's the last time you went to the doctor? When's the last time you, you know, are your kid, are you being the role model? If I died today, have I done enough to my kids? Yeah, of course. I mean, hell, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a heartbreaking. Nobody wants to have a, but have I done enough to where that those children would learn, have learned from my example? Yeah. The family's only strong, as strong as the weakest link. Yeah. And that's how I try to live every day in a sense of, I'm up early. I'm, you know, I'm taking care of myself. I'm, you know, I, I, I still. I, I, have you ever heard of Go Ruck? No. Oh, fuck! It's awesome. You'd like it. So I do a tough mutter. Yeah. So I, I, I get out of this and I'm like, okay, mud run. Then it's a tough mutter. That was easy. Let's find the next thing because one thing that opened, I wanted to ask you, yeah. what was it in you? What changed? What was the mindset? I know you talked about your father passing. Mm-hmm. Your family being around, mm-hmm. you know, these things that, you know, we would call extrinsic motivation, right? 
And one of the things I like to say is that extrinsic motivation is great. It brings you to the water, right? But mm-hmm. intrinsic motivation helps you drink the water because sure. there's millions dead sure. around the water on extrinsic, right? right? What was your intrinsic motivation at the time? What flipped? What was the mindset to say, you know what? You know, you know, take me there. I want to, you know, I want to be in Andrew's head there. Yeah, man. That no, it was, um, so all of that, like you just said, uh, my dad was there to teach me a lot, but he also taught me don't smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. Don't, um, he wasn't a drinker. He just smoked his face off. I mean, you know, and it was, it's just one of those, and he didn't, he, he wasn't a good patient. Woke up one morning, lost like seven teeth, pillow full of blood, diabetes, lost his whole upper jaw. Crazy shit, right? But so he taught me what basically not to be, in a sense. So fast forward, I'm coaching. He passes away. It's spring break. I get a phone call. Andrew, your dad died. Massive heart attack. My my sister found him when she went home. My sister wasn't. My sister and my mom teach together. My sister, my dad won't answer the phone. My sister goes to their house to figure out, you know, what's going on. He always answers the phone. He's dead on the kitchen table. So. Bless her. I mean, she's, she did and saw more shit than I can even imagine. So that goes on. Coaching, lose the job, have the family. You know, the, at the funeral, my wife's pregnant with our second daughter. So my daughters have never met, never met him. My son only knows pictures. He remembers a little bit, but he just only knows pictures. So then all of that, right? So, you know, I lose the job, lose the dad. I'm in a funk resentful, this, this, and this, but I try to put on a little smiley face because, again, I'm having a daughter, and, you know, so I, I think I'm doing the right thing, but the, the, what ate inside of me was, you know, at the time, I was 34 when he passed away. My point was, I don't ever want that feeling on my kids. I mean, I could, I could die tomorrow. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't, I don't lit, think that way, but Everything that he had wrong with him was 100% preventable. It really was. I mean, isn't it, it's proven that we can do things for heart disease and diabetes without medication and with diet and with exercise and with just even mind, right? So, so, so he, so I felt like he was a bad patient. He did a lot of shit himself. I get into training and it, it really, to, to get to your point was, fuck, be a, be a, try to be a billboard for what you're preaching. I mean, I'm still heavy. I'm still 230 pounds, but... Dude, you look like a fucking heavyweight fighter USC, dog. Fuck well, the bullshit. Thanks. But I, I, still got some, I, get, I still got a lot to go for myself, personally. So when right, I go... Well, you're, you're trimming edges, all right? That's well, enough I'm going to give you. Thank you. And so to get to why did I want to do the Tough Mudder, why did I want to do those things, not only was it to always better, like, find... But it was when I, when I strip it down, it was find the next challenge. Coaching, it was every Friday night, right? You watch film, you got a game plan, you go do it, and there was instant, you win or lose, right? Yeah. Well, I didn't have that anymore for myself, and, and so I needed to find something where I needed to challenge and test myself. I needed to prepare for something, and then payday was here, right? Go go do it. And if, if you trained enough and you did it right and you had the right, you got after it the right way, you'd get through it. And so that's what got me onto these things. And I, did, I actually did the Tough Mudder up here in Orlando, and is it some dude ranch? I don't even remember the name of it, but I love it, man. You just said, you know what? Give me fucking experience. That's all. So, so, so again, talk about my, now. My wife looks at me crooked the other way. So I do tough mutter. It was fun. 
I'm training for Tough Mudder. I'm looking up YouTube videos, right? That's what you do. And on the sidebar with all the, you know, because they spy on you and all that shit, it's right. I get some videos about Goruck. So, you know, a rucksack, right? Well, this company, Goruck, founded by old Special Forces guys. They're based in Jacksonville. They're, I think they're, they have a Jacksonville in Montana. They made rucksacks. All their buddies are getting shot at. They're climbing mountains, all this shit, and they're pissed off about the type of quality of stuff they had in the military. So they decided to make their own rucksacks. Before they gave them to their buddies or whatever, they started doing Tough Mudders with these rucksacks. They put bricks, beer, weights, whatever in it, and see if it could hold up to the barbed wire, the mud, the water, all that stuff. So they do these challenges. It's not necessarily a race, but I did one two years ago in New Orleans, which is where I'm from, and did it with my sister and my cousin, and we did what's called Go Rough Challenge. It's a 12-hour endurance thing. Um, it's from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. You're led by an ex-Special Forces guy, and you basically, it's a very condensed, obviously, version of some of their training. You spend about two hours, um, what they call the welcome party. Okay. You know, YouTube, Go Ruck Welcome Party. And it basically is burpees, bear crawls, lunges, squats, push-ups. I mean, you name it. It's just PT, right? Mm -hmm. So they get you sweaty. They get you broken down. After that, it's missions, if you will. Get from point A to point B in a certain amount of time. When you get to point B, I need three team leaders, and you guys are going to break yourselves off. So it's a, it was neat for me because it was just sink or swim. It was immersion. I learned best in immersion. I think that um, you learn so much about yourself in immersion. So it just kind of is this, this intense 12-hour thing, right? Yeah. Well, we're doing the first one, and there's some of these crazy pastors that have done a couple of them, and they're like, are you doing the light? The light? What, what is that? And go, well, basically, it's half of what we just did, so it's a six- or seven-hour endurance. I said, well, when's that? And they go, well, this one ends at 9. That starts at 2 p.m., like like today? And they were like, yeah, today. Are you doing it? And I was like, fuck no, I'm not doing it. I can barely walk right now, man. We still got another hour of this. Meanwhile, I got a 30-pound, so you, you put bricks in your bag. You have 30 pounds of brick in your bag. Any food, water you want, you got to carry it with you. Plus, I mean, there's pictures of me. I have to send you one. I got what a, food did you take with you? I didn't, well, I took like a, I made trail mix with like M&Ms. And um, then I had like some of the goos and like energy blocks and stuff like that. Because the more, obviously, you take, the heavier your bag is. You want lighter, right. But I got an eight-foot log on my back that we have to carry for X amount of I mean, it's crazy, right? So in three weeks, four weeks, um, Veterans Day weekend. So Veterans Day falls on like a Tuesday or Wednesday. That following weekend, my sister and I and my cousin signed up again in New Orleans to do the challenge and to do the light. So we're doing the back-to-back -back one. Yeah. Um, so Why? It, it's truly, I need to, I need a challenge. I need to get out of my comfort zone. I need to face that, as they say, demon and drop kick it. You know, I just need to be able to just calm down the voice in my head that says, are you ready for this? Can you do this? I don't think you, you know, that, that whole resistance, that Mr. Resistance in there. I just, I just need to constantly push myself and put myself in situations to where I find out something about myself. Mm. It gives me something to train for so I don't get complacent. That's another thing that, unfortunately, coaching and teaching taught me. It's a good thing. Every curse has its blessing, you know. Um, 
I know now when I'm stagnant. I know when I'm not growing. I know when I'm not expanding. I know when I'm just, uh, and I'm not a good person to be around when I'm that way. When, when the competence uh, fuel is running low, yeah. when the experience fuel is running low, I, I, I got, I got to do something. Right. And my, my wife kicks me out of here. You know that last uh, kayak trip. She's like, please fucking leave. She literally goes, please tie the kayak up and go. Uh, I get it. So that's that's, the, it. that's yeah. a release for you. It is, and and so. I'm going to do a half marathon in the Naples half in January. I'm not a runner, but that's kind of why. It's, it's that I did a sprint triathlon last year, and somebody was like, why? Because I, I don't like to swim. I really, I can ride a bike, but I don't like, I don't even own a bike, and I don't like to run. So if you put all three of those things together, it's going to be one hell of a fucking two hours, right? And I just got to battle through. Right out of my line, Steve. Uncomfortable is where the change is. Yeah. I mean, I, in the movie, in the Warrior One, you know, they got me mic'd up in a couple times. I, I just, a couple things I like to remind myself. You know, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? And then you can't climb, a, you can't climb a smooth mountain. There's going to be, I like that. there's going to be rocky shit, you know? And if you're going to go up there, you better know that it's not going to be smooth. Now, now, how much does humility play in the training or the preparation for this? Big, uh, one thing I had to learn in the last, three, four years is, is humility. Fixed mindset, right? Go back to the book. Fixed. I call I call it concrete beliefs. Yeah. I was one hundred percent fixed mindset. It was just here's what we are, here's what we're about. I don't need any other input. We have enough. So I was just kinda I had to get myself out of that. And then I had to admit I did a lot of shit wrong. You know, talk about mess being the message. Well that's the humility, right? Right. I, the my mess right now if I could write another book Here's the problem. I, I would love to be able to help young coaches not fuck it up. Seriously. Yeah. Because yeah, there's a lot yeah. you can do wrong. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of good coaches out there. We, we were seven and three for a couple of years, right? Now all of a sudden we go two and eight and I'm a shitty coach. Wait, we were just seven and three. Did I get dumb? Did I? I did a lot of stupid things. I was still an X's and O's guy, but the, it, it just, I would love to be able to reach that market of an up-and-coming assistant, maybe you're a freshman level, JV level, even a varsity first-time assistant where you're finding your way. Mm-hmm. But coaches, as you know, it's I was that guy. My ego is, I, didn't, I don't need you, you know. The guy I work with now, Derek Touche, owner of Total Athletic Performance, I met him when he owned Velocity Sports Performance. Cool motherfucker, by the way. Yeah, he is. I was the only coach in Collier County they gave him a shot to come. He wanted to teach speed camps to the kids. Dude, he was so kind. That yeah. football camp, you two came down yeah, and that did that awesome. football camp. That was so nice to you guys. Yeah, no, and that's, that's just it. It's, it's one of those, you guys, same way I was, come teach us. And I told him, I said, hey, if my kids are going to, if you're going to do a camp for my kids, I have to be there taking notes because I don't know this stuff like you know it. So you teach it, right? And... um too many coaches are so fixed and closed-minded to where they won't let somebody from the outside world tell them because they think it, it means that they don't know something. Yeah, you were telling me about Derek. He had just come in, or oh, you guys met each, Yeah, I, I think I got lost. So Derek owned Velocity Sports Performance. Yeah. He, I let him. He, I was the only coach in Collier County that wanted him to be a part of their strength and conditioning program. Yeah. He knew something I didn't know, right? So initially he came in. It worked out to where he came and did. That, that's my pug. I that's promise right. you no one in the studio made that noise. 
Roxy, she's sitting right under me. Wake up, Roxy. She's good. Um, and that's how I got to know him. And when I left teaching and coaching, he had just closed Velocity and was opening up Total Athletic Performance. So I, we knew each other. Our wives get along. Our kids get along. So I just said, dude, you know my situation. Um, you need any help? You know, I'm willing. I'm willing to be one of your coaches. You were just coming off of you left teaching. Yep. So I literally left teaching whatever day, June, whatever was a was a Friday. I went to work for him on Saturday, and been doing that ever since. And, and you're uh, down there at Tap Total Athletic Performance, right? Yep. yep. You, you, you and Derek were so kind. I was coaching that uh, Marco Island Academy football team. It's pretty funny how I wound up coaching that too. By the way, how did how did that happen? Uh, my daughter and I were playing volleyball in a park training, and I thought Pop Warner was oh, yeah. practicing. So I walked over, and they were like, no, we're the high school on the island. I was like, oh, gosh, fuck. <laughs> and I ended up coaching two years with them. But you guys were so kind. You came down when I did that little football camp for those guys. There were yeah. a few ballers on the little island. Yeah, no, you. And, you know, we didn't have a lot to pay you guys, you know. No. And for, the, for total athletic performance and what you do and what you offer, that's some high-end shit. Right. And you guys came down, I think it was like 200 bucks. You guys yeah. are so fucking nice, man. And, and, and thank you. And to that point, it, it, it is about giving back and it is about, you, we're actually trying to, we're developing right now. We're getting ready to film probably in the next couple of weeks, not with equipment like this in here, but um, to where we're doing a high school, an online high school combine video series. Sure. So, Basically, take what we did for you guys, right? How do you get in a stance? How do you do the five ten five? All that stuff that – I mean, we're not going to teach the NFL combine because they don't do that at the high school level. But the five ten five, the, the all the stuff they do, and basically put a couple athletes through it, coach them up. Kid can get online, purchase it, download it, and then now be on his screen and take the coaching cues, take the coaching keys, and do all that sort of stuff. And there's different levels. There's different packages that we're building in there. Where, hey, you want us to watch your video? That's an additional add-on. You want to, you want to, yeah. And you want to call us. You want to, you want to come. I mean, if you're local, come to us. All that sort of shit, you know. Because again, it's it's not taught. So this whole idea where I've gone in the past three, four years is that what's not being taught and how can I help? What's not being taught and how can we offer stuff? Yeah. Right. And so no, it was a uh, it was a neat. Um, I'm blessed to to have kind of fallen into that, and what it's allowed me to do is, I thought it would kind of, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, pacify my coaching need, right? But what it really did was, like I told you earlier, it it flipped it to where it's more education. But it, but it's teaching. I think you're right. The yeah. teaching part of it is yeah. is real. You know, there's a lot of personal trainers that exist out there. And I, I, I got to be honest, and I was one for a while, because after I started coaching uh, the flag football, the first thing I did was start personal training. Sure. And, but a lot of it I noticed was even therapists do it. They kind of go, do this and this, but they don't teach. They, like, withhold the competence so you come back. Exactly. They don't teach it. And there's a difference between training and teaching. 100% without question. And I think that you get more – there's more – relationship built there's more authenticity there's more transparency i'm big on i'll i'll tell and give whatever there's no i shouldn't say there's there's really probably nothing original right agreed so and if it is it's probably so fucking crazy that nobody's gonna believe you anyway so but but all the good shit somebody's thought of it before i just think it if if i give it to you 
you're going to let it marinate. It's going to digest in you. You're going to give it to somebody else. And sometimes people even customize it. You know, they make it their own. Yeah. And pass it down. Yeah. I mean, take take what you take what you found and put your spin on it, and and, and give it away. Um, and that's where I finally got over that fear of. Uh, and this is very recent. When I tell you, probably when I went to Peru this past summer, ten days away from the family, we didn't have internet service. There was a lot of some tears at night. I, you know, I'm on this journey. I'm, I'm answering these. You know, I. I Luckily, Jill, again, God bless her, she's been a godsend to me. I talked to her a bunch on the trip. She helped me through and asked me some questions, and it was just so at that. So basically, these last four or five months has been getting over the fear and getting myself ready to share that message, you know, through a podcast. That's why I wanted so. I mean, you don't understand how much. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a privilege and honor to be up here to see this. Seriously, because I want to be able to reciprocate soon, because this is this is it, man. This is you're already doing it, brother. This this technology, hell, ten years ago, well maybe ten, but fifteen years ago when we started teaching and coaching, right? We couldn't have sat in a room, put some shit in a computer, and and and, and have our own have our own platform. We're so lucky to be able to uh, and talk about you know I've used the word privilege and responsibility a bunch. It's a damn responsibility, I think, that if you – I don't remember who said the quote, but it's kind of, it goes something to the effect of, uh, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is die with music still in you, right? So it goes back to, hell, if I have something to say, i got to say it. And if I don't, I'm going to have to answer to whatever maker's up there, and he's going to say, I gave you all this shit. You didn't say a goddamn thing about it. Right? I gave you all these experiences. I, I, I pulled people out of your life. I took things away from you. I gave you things. I gave you people. And you're not going to say anything about it. And those are like, you know, so I'm on the sacred trail and seeing Machu Picchu and all these different things. And I thought for sure, like, sleeping, we, we camped out. Now, it's winter there in June. So, I mean, some, some chicks, their water bottles froze. I mean, it was cold, right? And I'm thinking something, something sacred, profound is going to happen. I'm waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. And I'm, I'd have to take some tips from you. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible meditator. Like, I, I can't. I'm, I'm, my brain is so just, you know, fast forward. I need to do some other things. And it's one of those where I waited for something to happen. Nothing happened. It wasn't until I got home and, you know, kind of decompressed, slept in, did, you know, just kind of was a bum the next day. Didn't do it. Didn't even unpack. Kids crawling all over you, you know dog pissing somewhere. I mean, just, just, just life happened again, right? And it wasn't until then where I was like, you know, I could, I could, I could start to hear and start to feel whatever, I, whatever was given to me there finally came through when I got back here. And it's been, a, it's, it's been tough. Like, I mean, I still, and do I use this? Do I, it's almost overwhelming of how do I get it out there? You know, and this is why I was so blessed to, for you to come, ask me to come here because it was, this was my first step of getting stuff out there, you know, so. Shit, we're honored to have you, you here, Andrew. <laughs> Shit. Uh, Man, you had me all deep on, that's what my, hey, that's what we call a cognitive fucking rampage. You see what I'm saying? I love it. No, I you're right. You go off, man. I'm going to, hey, you know, try to check out the Earth Grown Nutrients. They're from Onnit. 
right? And check them out. It's, they're they're wonderful. I wish I could share the product of Earth Grown Nutrients. Um. <laughs> it smells really good. Yeah. Anytime <laughs> you need to go there, you know. The fact you know you're you're training on such a level down there, um, and we talked about trophy kids earlier, yeah. and some of the intensity of which it comes. And like I said, I have a, my 15 year old daughter. She is a volleyball player, and I had no fucking idea what she bit off in seventh grade down in Marco Island when she said, "I'm gonna go out for volleyball." And I was like, "All right," I knew nothing, and I'm like, "All right." Holy fucking shit. Is she playing club? Dude, it's a fucking... It's a scam. <laughs> it's a nightmare. It's a what the fuck. Now, mind you... <laughs> I'm just fucking... I'm going to be honest. Look, I'm, I'm going to try stand-up this year, right? And I have a whole bit I'm going to try there. Right? But there's this whole fucking thing where I talk about... I live in the suburbs, right? But I'm just trying to get by in the fucking suburbs. Now, when you have a daughter that play, plays club, club volleyball... And you're just trying to live in the suburbs? That's some expensive shit. Dude, it gets like $2,500 to $5,000 a month. A month. Travel, hotels, food. Oh, and then you bring in individual trainers. Then you bring in like camps like we sent her to in Pepperdine that are like fucking $3,500 for the fuck. Now, mind you, listen, this camp was in July, and it's January. And we are at like 2 a.m. waiting for a clock to tick so we can sign up quickly. Sounds out like that, huh? Yeah, it's a setter's camp, right, in Pepperdine. And that's what took me to California, right, right, right. which randomly, look at the road it set me on, right? But her coach at the time was like, she has to get into this setter's camp, you know, it's her thing. Holy fuck. And then club comes? Jesus. I'm in like a different city. You have to go twice a month. I'm in a different city. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I got hotel, travel, etc. Plus my monthly fees of her to play club, right? And then these camps on the weekends. So the whole bit is like, I can't fucking afford to be in the suburbs. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And so now the training on your end, the right. type of training you guys offer is mm-hmm. exactly what is necessary, right? Right. And that's why as soon as you started describing it, I knew she played club because it was we have we have a handful of girls. I mean, hell, you know, there's club volleyball, there's club, we even have club lacrosse, club soccer. Club baseball, it's what, and, and the, I mean, the clubs it's, get all the year only round. sport, the only sport that's not year-round is football. Right, and I mean, that's still in the gym year-round, right? Gym year-round, and I mean, now even too, I'm sure here, because there's some great football up here, there's flag football that goes on. These guys are starting these flag football t- teams that they want to travel around the nation, and it's just insane. But yes, back to your point, um, yeah, we have probably right now, they're they're in, they're in their high school season now, so we see them maybe once or twice a week, kind of for maintenance or regen, recovery type type things. Come off season, some of them play basketball, so they'll just transition right into basketball. Those that don't, they'll be in three four days a week. Um, for girls, for females, we focus primarily on injury prevention and core strength. Um, we I, not necessarily how much do they bench press. How fast are they? You know, um, it's about making sure that they know how to use their body and that we're going to prevent ACL injuries. We're going to prevent ankle injuries. We're going to – can you do it all the time? Absolutely not. But uh, that's the focus of their training. And, you know, what I was talking about is 
you know, your level of training used to be at a high-end Division One collegiate level years ago, right? Before it became, you know, what you find in high school training. There was, I, 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 that was my time, right? You didn't find your level of training. You could if you had the money. Right. But in my era, it was just play. It wasn't made, around, yeah. You hit college, then you got that. Yep. Right now, I have a 15-year-old that I travel in these tournaments, and I'm looking at a 12-year-old with a three-foot vertical, <laughs> you know, jack and spikes. I'm going, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Right? And... It's amazing now, and so it becomes really a must. Like down in South Florida in Boca, a friend of mine, his son played baseball, and in the off season you have to do the travel baseball. But everybody gets personal trainers, like personal pitching coaches, personal hitting coaches. Mm-hmm. It's a must, and so now Trophy Kid speaks to it better than anything. Is all biting for that free education, that scholarship, right? Not to mention the parent pride, right? Right, but they're all biding for this scholarship. It's really a competitive market. And then I got into this club stuff with uh, my daughter, and there's such a separation in clubs. There's one club I won't mention too much. There's an area of Florida. Let's just say his granddaughter was coming through there, and this guy's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. Right. So what he did was recruit the best volleyball player, the females in the area in high school. And now when they did their travel tournaments of extreme. He paid for their private jets, their five-star stuff. Now, now every player wants to play for this club because it's all expenses paid. They get trainers like you all. It's all comped. Oh, yeah. And then I look at a club that's some club that, you know, a good coach is trying to help, and it's minimal cost. You know, mm-hmm. you know this other guy is, is like $10,000. It's ridiculous. You know, so how does a blue-collar family, you know, keep up if they want their daughter who needs the scholarship most? Sure compete on now on a high school level with sons and daughters that are like Rocky Four. Right. You know what I mean? They, they get the best trainers. It's year-round. They're fucking robots. Yeah. So how does a middle-class, blue-collar family keep up with that and still obtain the scholarship who needs it most? No, it's a, uh, it's a competitive atmosphere at best. You know, where we are, you know, and we offer training, it's, it's affordable. You guys really are. Like it's, I said. it's not anything that, you know, is going to make or break. And we actually, we, we just changed a lot of the marketing stuff too, where to just flip the verbiage, man, this is, this is an investment. So go back to your scholarship idea. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can sit there for a three month time period and invest 600 bucks, we, we have a guarantee. If, if, if your son or daughter doesn't improve in at least one area, it's on us, you know. We, we 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 failed you, but 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 to your point about that, it, it's a it's unfortunate because just like other things, money can push away, uh, and all of a sudden now that those with money uh, get the websites, they get the recruiting, they get the um, and not to mention college applications. Who you know and who your parents are fucking matters. Well, and it, and the money allows you to get in front of the right people. Um, a recruiter would easily go down, you know, I, I'm not sure the neighborhoods here, but in Naples we have Port Royal, mm-hmm. which is, I think, the, sure. the lots go for $20 million. You know, and I'm, I'm all, I'm all, I may be off by a million or two, but you Either get my way. point. Um, so, yeah, there's discrepancy where, hell, somebody could write a check in it, you know, for, for a year worth of training for a team, and it wouldn't affect them in the least. Yeah. Uh, so what we're trying to do 
bigger thing, like I said earlier, being part of something bigger. And the facility that we have, we're fortunate, 3,500 square foot, turfed, racks, weights, everything. I can, Your facility is ridiculous. I, can only I love help, it. Yeah, I can only help you if you come to me, though, right? That's unfortunate. In today's day and age, I talked about the technology and that sort of stuff. So go back to the high school uh, football combine idea. We're getting ready to, as well, on our website, tapnaples.com, where you can purchase, if you will, online training. Uh, it's not sophisticated yet, if you will, but it can be. Adam Lowry goes on, purchases it, emails us, and says, hey, guys, here's what I'm looking for. Hell, we'll do a Skype call with you. We'll do a phone call with that person. It's not a big deal. It takes 10, 15 minutes to just chat, chat about, again, why are you, what are you looking for, Adam? What do you, you know, what do you want? You guys came down, and it was the first year I had the Mark Weiland. Um, I wasn't the defensive coordinator the first year. I was just the assistant guy. And you guys came down after that year. Mm-hmm. You did a speed training and tackling uh, mm-hmm. kind of camp with us. Yep. And then we came in, we started the next season, mm-hmm. and we won, like, the first two or three straight games. Like, the, the team beat us, like, 64 to nothing the previous year. Right. We open up and we shut them out at home. You know, awesome. so but your individual training, you know, I only had about maybe 10 or 15 kids at the camp, but they were key players. Absolutely. And so that individual stuff that you guys offer, I will tell you I'm a huge fan of because my daughter, she's done the camps, you name it. The mm-hmm. camps, the clubs, the things, she did it, especially in Southwest Florida. We put her one-on-one with a coach, uh trainer, who really knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. That is the most improvement in the short amount of time I had ever seen in my daughter. My daughter made a change from a player who was interested and had some capability to a player. Right. With the one-on-one individual training. Yeah. You know, so for me, you know, the blue-collar answer was if you can't afford the $2,000, $3,000 camp, right, mm-hmm. which we we can't either, but we find a way. I don't know. I've sold body parts and shit. <laughs> right. If you can't afford the clubs that, you know, this guy in Tampa is providing, right? Right. Then the one-on-one, like at TAP, like from Total Athletic yeah. Performance, what you guys offer, I, I played out. I said, this has got to be the best way. We put her one-on-one with uh, my friend Julian Williams. He's a uh, MMA trainer, an MMA awesome. fighter yeah. uh, over at the SWAT MMA Fitness. Yep. And she did like three weeks with him, uh, two or three times a week before mm. her high school tryout. And I'll be damned, you know. They did it, you know. So I, I, I encourage those for what you guys offer as kind of a solution to that. If you can't afford the clubs, the camps, those things, seek out a place like what you guys do. No, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's a broader reach. Um, everybody, if it's wanted, it, it, they should, des- you know, they should have it. I think they, I think everybody deserves it if, if they want it. Um, I'm a big fan of there's got to be a little bit of an investment for the simple fact of I think that's going to keep you Hungry, it's going to keep you coming, knowing that even if it's a small investment, 20 bucks a month, to download those workouts, hey, guess what? It's 20 bucks that you invested you know, in yourself. And One session with you or Derek, you know, from mm-hmm. TAP, I mean, I'll, I'll even tell the parents out there, even if the one-on-one training you get doesn't necessarily get your child to the college, the scholarship, et cetera, what one-on-one training does is it gives them now the competence of how to stay in shape, what to do. That's something that stays with a child for a lifetime. Yeah, no, it goes back to that skill set we talked about. I mean, it's, um, oh God, there's a great book, uh, Recruiting Realities or Realities in Recruiting. I don't know if it's still in print. But he breaks down 
the recruiting process. And he just shows you by sport what's the percentage of how many high school athletes are there in volleyball, in football, in baseball, in softball, whatever it is. Get those numbers and then basically how many scholarships are available. So mom and dad, I get the fact of you want that scholarship. We get it. But here's the reality. What is the reality? I mean, you're in it. You train these so athletes. It's 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 point of percentages. No shit. I mean, it it is especially at those type of sports. Football has the most. So I mean, that's a different animal. I don't know the exact numbers. I'm not going to quote anything, but it's still a small percentage. Then you get to sports that are they're just giving half scholarships. Right. Or they're giving you a scholarship for maybe room and board. You've got to pay your way for, for credit hours. I mean, you see these athletes. You train the ones that make this, what, would you say, 0.01%? Yeah. No, and, and we're fortunate. I mean, we have – I bet you right now we're predominantly female athlete, and I think that's because the male athlete coaches – talk about that ego again – they don't want anybody else talking to their players. And I get it. I was one of those guys. But so so be it. Uh, soccer, volleyball. This year we had a few softball players um, and lacrosse. Lacrosse is big down in Naples. And we were fortunate enough to where we did the strength and conditioning work for Baron Collier girls lacrosse last year. So a lot of those girls, once they're just their in-season stuff, and once their season was finished, they carried over, stayed with us summertime now into fall and that sort of thing. Um, but it's a, it's a competitive world. I don't pull any strings. I, it, it, you tell them straight up. Please don't hear. And I don't know. I don't care if mom or dad are telling you that you're getting a scholarship. Chances are you're not getting a scholarship. Let's just be honest. I mean, it sucks, but but it's the fact of. So so again, you, you're going to work hard. You, you can walk on D three. A lot of these kids are academically they're okay. So when when a coach comes in and talks to them about the academic arena. Kids okay. That's a huge part of it because they can split up scholarships. Do they still do that to where they can offer a student athlete like half athletic scholarship, half uh, sports scholarship? I, I'm sure they can. I, I know for a fact that they do split them. How they get around it and what they do. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, I'm I've kind of not necessarily disassociated myself with that whole idea, but I'm more great. You got the scholarship. Now, now what? what? <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you ready to take it? Then we have, you know, we're 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 have a, a, we're in a tennis academy as well. Sanchez Casell Tennis Academy down in Naples, Florida. Gentleman has Emilio Sanchez has a huge academy in Barcelona. Built one in Naples three years ago. We're in charge of their fitness and performance as well, but we also do our own thing. There's a handful of those tennis kids that are legitimate D1 tennis players, right? The story and the, the conversation has to be, you got your scholarship, right? Do you realize what that comes with? Like, your journey just began. You've got to keep the scholarship. Most have no idea. None. And if you're getting a D1 scholarship in tennis, chances are you're going to be their number one or their number two. So that means you're going to be a freshman going in with upperclassmen, and you're going to be ahead of them. Are you ready to take on the responsibility of you know, lead by example. So it's a it's a it's a neat dynamic to where football kids that I had that got scholarships, all they wanted was a scholarship. I can't tell you, I can't tell you. And, and those of you, I, I know a bunch of guys from Facebook are going to download this just because I asked them to. And if they're listening, they came home 
various reasons, but I think they were so focused in high school on just getting the scholarship because they wanted their name in the paper that said they signed a letter of intent. And then when they got there, they didn't know what the fuck to do with it. And then when they got... Here's, a, here's another farce. I hate to break this to your mom and dad. Those signing things you see in the paper where guys are signing letters of intent, it's a fucking blank piece of paper. You know, I, There's I, no signing. I sign my math homework. Yeah. If you look see? up, it's in the newspaper, right? I'm, I'm doing my, you know, signing. It's a fucking, like, someone's math homework. If you're a D1 kid, you're the, the D1's the only one that needs to sign anything. And there's some 1AA and 2, some schools, and, again, I don't know the exact stipulation, but you'd have these kids that go to NAIA, D3 schools, and they, you know, they, they get academic and partial scholarships. Good for you. You got it. You earned it, right? I wonder what the percentage is that really hold on to it. It's got to be pretty high that lose it. Because you said the percentage. I'm telling you, I, and, you know, I can think of in my nine years at the high school that I was at, we were fortunate. We had some good players early on. We had kids that went to Marshall, Virginia Tech, Florida State, um, Florida. Those kids that I just named are, I think, the only ones that stayed. Yeah. Um, and they got it because they went there for a degree. I mean, because then the reality comes, okay, you got to college, you're going to go pro. The percentage of that is even smaller. So now I'll talk about guys that are, you know, now it's like I got four years to get my education, maybe five, God willing, if you don't get academic or medical redshirt. Sure, if you're good enough, you got three and you're out. So what happens, you know, what do you do then when you don't make it to the pros? Shit, the percentage of NBA players that go broke is like 75%. The NFL players are like 50, 60%. It's, it, they really lose it. No, they do. And it's, I just think it's because, <laughs> what do you eat? Roxy. Roxy, yeah. I know. It's a... Uh, it's what do you, you know, what, what are they, what are they, where, where's the priority? What are we taught? You said, you know, have a class in credit and finance or have a class in, have, have a real life class in high school. Then maybe we've given the, the, the athlete and the student some tools that they're going to be able to use when they're 20, 20. If, if they actually ever teach the right thing in school. Well, still cookie cutter fit in the program, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna make a hard like left turn as you finish Do that it. Do round. It. Do it. And I gotta pull another Roxy. My God, my God, Roxy. So I mean, you're you're seeing these trophy kids that come through. You know, you're training some that make it. The the percentage is very small. Mm -hmm. um, I think you, you spoke of something really cool, which is that idea, you know, that getting the scholarship, because I can relate. It was, it was just about getting the thing. Yeah, that's all we wanted. What came after it, you know, is, is ridiculous. But there are no classes about, you know, what do you do when that goes away? You know, what do you do when the title of the chasing of the warrior, when that fight kind of becomes over, right? Right. And we don't give kids that whole, you know, you, you use that word warrior a couple times in the, the ethos. The, the mission statement, the what do you stand for, you know, that the, the kids don't know how to make their own statement. And they don't they don't teach classes in hard work either. Yeah, I, I noticed I a mean, lot of my, my daughter's teachers tend to go like, it's okay, you don't have an assignment, turn it in this day or that day. That's called uh, No Child Left Behind. We ha I don't know how it's changed since I've left. But at the time, if you say say your your daughter misses a week of school for various reasons, sick, family trip, what have you, she missed five days of school. She's got 
upon her return, she's got a five additional days to make that work up. The good students, hey, get it done. No worries. The good students actually before that would say, hey, Mr., Mrs., so-and-so, I'm going to be out of school for a week. Can you get me to work? Sure. Take the initiative. Do that whole thing, right? Well, shit. You could have a kid that says, oh, you know what, I'll get that to you next week. Teachers don't want to fail a kid because they don't want to see the kid again. They want to push him through. It's just this whole numbers game, and I didn't like it. I didn't, you know, to me it was just, if in your house education's valued, I was a private Catholic kid my whole life. First public school I ever stepped foot on was in Cuyahoga County. I went to private high school. I went to private college. That's not right or wrong, but there was an investment there. And yeah. my, my mom, like I said, my mom's still a teacher. Education was valued in my house. I could have been fine anywhere. It's now a score. It's now all it is that you're right. It's, they don't even care where you go to school. I don't know how many kids I lost because they didn't want to play for our school they wanted to play for this good basketball team. They wanted to play for the good football team. So they just transfer. School was secondary. You know, and again, I'm talking from a sports world, but, man, how many kids, uh, you know, don't value a free education? Yeah. Well, I, for one, we should be offering a free fucking education. I don't think we should be having kids fight over scholarships to get taught for free, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I think if you're good at sports, the experience of the sports itself uh, is the journey, um, and honestly, I think they should be paying these motherfuckers because they're making billions of dollars off of these young kids' backs. Agreed. And so, yeah, free education, well, it should be fucking free for everybody, even the kid that doesn't run a four fucking three. Yeah. It should be free to that fucking kid, too. And so if this all comes through, then we don't get this fight for scholarships. We don't get these trophy parents trying to make kids, uh, you know, live their own life. I mean, imagine all the, you know, macro fucking changes that come if we just say, you know what, education is free. If you seek the knowledge, then I'm going to quote fucking Bob Marley. If education is free, if education is the key, why isn't it free? And if it was, then the kids could be that, you know, and still play sports and still push for that effort. Because, listen, yes, as much as the scholarship felt good to me, sports I played because I loved it. Because the experience of it. Right. You know, when it became about the scholarship is when I lost it, you know. And so I think if we teach the kids it's about earning the scholarship or yes. performance, yes. it loses the aspect of what it really can be is that experience that teaches something in life. Right. Kids play. Kids end up playing a sport because they think they, they're only doing it for the reward. And if they don't think they're going to get the reward, then it, it creates this whole just ugly mess, right? And you get a bad locker room and you get all these different things. No, I'm I'm all for kids earning things, but a scholarship? No. Especially when they're when they're when they're making it literally near impossible to almost get one. I mean if you figure I don't know I don't know how many Did we find the info yet, Steve? Are you hunting it over there? Or we were looking I was trying to see what the percentage were of the people that um what went to how many how many got college scholarships? Yeah, well, yeah. What's the percentage of high school graduates that obtain a scholarship? Uh, there's no specific average, but um, the ones that kept it, 10% um, of the ones who did get the scholarship, on average, don't keep it. All right. So 10% okay. so, of the people fall out after they receive it. Yeah. Well, that's rather small. I thought it'd be larger than that. But the numbers aren't that huge for the 
I'm sure it's just a couple of hundred per school if they even offer them. All right. So that's a small percentage. When you take in a high school population. That and a lot of a lot of what I saw that, and again the ones I mentioned, those D one kids typically kept it. It's the D three kids that they got the academic that, hey, we'll pay for your room and board, you know, that sort of thing where you know, they it just they weren't committed. It's that whole interested and committed. Yeah. I'm interested in getting the scholarship because it, it looks good. Ah, shit, I get there and I got to work for it. You know, I got to keep it. I wonder from a coaching perspective, if the scholarship notion was taken out of sports, Ooh. would you just then get the players that really just wanted to play? It's uh, a hell of a question. Right. I wonder what's up. Maybe one day if we see free education for those <laughs> that seek it, you know, maybe one day. Sports could just be what sports are, is that experience that teaches you. It's kind of like a fast-forward version of life, right? You know, it's the one thing I liked about football, and it, it, I'm sure it's true of every sport, but I, I really felt it. 48 minutes in high school, 60 minutes college pro, it's one of those things where I think in that just finite amount of time, at least me personally, I put everything into it. So I felt almost every single emotion in a 48-minute period Granted, three hours on a clock, but from 7.30 on a Friday to 10.30 at night, I probably felt every single emotion possible. I mean, highest of the highs, lowest of the lows, everything in between. And I enjoyed that roller coaster. You know, it fucked me up a little bit. I through all the So go back to my health issues. I had adrenal tests done, and my adrenal glands, like, literally don't function. So... And the docs that I've gone to, basically, hey, you fucking ran so high for so long, so such a emotion-driven, that once you got that stimulus out of your life, your body said, hey, we're calming down, man. So it's 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 one of those things, and it, they'll come back, and you know it's it is what it is, but it's that's what I loved about it. I think that was my juice. That was what you know. I knew on a Friday night, man, I was gonna fucking get pumped, and I was gonna get pissed, and I was gonna get happy, and I was gonna get sad. Well, it becomes the stimulation. It's yeah. what we're taught. It's where you lose yourself, right? And so that kind of speaks back to the point that we were talking is when that goes away, right? When you're trained your whole life that your outlet is this, your title is this, the value of you is based on this. When that goes away from you, holy shit. You know, fighters go through it. Ball players go through it. Of all levels, you know, volleyball players, softball, it, everyone. Yeah. You know, and that's a different experience. And I think, too, you know, to that question, you know, we talked about pros, high school kids too. I mean, I would see kids that, you know, for various reasons, whether it be a family issue or an injury or something like that, if they played for two, three years and then that last year or two they didn't play, they were a different person, you know. And, uh, you know, not to get into their psyche, I can only speak from my personal experience. It defined me. So I was a fucking weirdo, cuckoo, pissed off because I didn't, I didn't know how to, I didn't know what I was. Right. I'm still, again, still evolving, still figuring this shit out. But, but for a high school kid that maybe you were a stud, you played varsity as a freshman, and you did this, and you did this, and you blew your ACL out, and now all of a sudden your senior year, you're not around anymore. Now what? Yep. Scholarships off the table, whatever, whether it be D1 all the way down to the bottom, you whatever, it's gone. Yeah. So now, now all of a sudden you have to be a student. There's, it, it's a tough deal, and, and I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I think that there's a definite um, 
definite emotion, definite feeling. Well, you train people, you know, one-on-one, you know, within that coaching form, and I mean, you, you grasp that idea of performance versus, you know, value. Um, how do you walk that line as a trainer, you know, with, cause you train high school athletes from pros to ex-pros, et cetera. Right. How do you walk that line between not, you know, the value performance angle, right? How do you work with a high school kid by saying, look, you gotta push through this? How do you dig out the deeper in them? As far as the idea of pushing through adversity of any kind. Any kind. You know, I think it goes back to, um, having that initial consult with them and reminding them of what's their goal. What are they here for? You know, um, we, you know, we go back to that whole purpose. Why, um, if you know why you're doing something, when the proverbial shit hits the fan, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a little easier to just, Hey, you come back to that. Why? And then let's refocus on it. You know, again, talking about the whole idea of just the meditation and the, the, for me, when I feel it and when I, it's just acknowledge it, take a step back. Hey, fuck, there it is, right? Yeah. We're going to revisit that why. Why did, why did I decide to do this today? And then just push forward. So I, I try to bring that to the athlete as far as, a, you know, shitty day. You had a bad, you know, your boyfriend just broke up with you. You found out he was talking to somebody in math class. Whatever the crazy-ass stuff that goes on in high school, right? How do you get out of that? To where now it's just, hey, give me give me 90 minutes. I know you're upset, right? right. Shit, shit happened. I get it. I'm not going to try to make it better, right? That's not me. That's not my job here. What I'm here to do is make sure that you came here and you accomplished what you came to do. So I think that just bringing them back to acknowledging, hey, I understand you had a shitty day. I get it. But let's let's focus on why we're here. Let's focus on what we're doing and that sort of stuff. doesn't always work, but I think it can be as simple as that. Yeah. You know, to jump away from, you know, athletes in general, where does somebody, let's say, that hasn't been an athlete, you know, from childhood, you know, we we get that person, right, and what they deal with, the different battle. How does the person that really hasn't experienced the competition, the push, the drive, how does that person, I don't know, find the intrinsic motivation we talked about? All right. Um, so... I'll tell you something that I haven't told anybody before yet. And one of the things I'm voices in my head that I got to get out there. And um, the, in the title, you're going to think it's just for guys. But if a woman wants to approach it, she can. Um, it's going to be called the the Man's Formation Project, right? So it really is going to be a how-to action plan guide, come in, kick ass, marrying the different levels and layers that fitness bring, right? So I want to be able to push somebody to where, like today, for instance, 6 o'clock, my chef friend that's helping me, and we're co-doing the book together, he he looks on there, and we got like a little bit of a, a pyramid workout to where basically if you don't know what that is, we're going to start with one rep of a couple things. We're going to work up to two reps of a couple things. Then the next set's three, and we're going to work our way up to 12, and then we're going to come back down the other side of that pyramid, right? So it's a shitload of volume. I mean, you figure... You're doing, you know, a hundred X amount of squats on one end, and you're going to do a hundred on the way back down, right? Well, in there was sprints, and we just, you know, inside the facility, I got coned off about a ten-yard distance. So down and back is one. So every time you, it's twenty yards, and he's sitting there doing the math, and he's just like, he's seriously, yeah, seriously, fuck you. I mean, why'd you get out of bed? We're here, let's work, you know. And I work out with those guys because part of my taking care of myself in the morning is I get my workout done early, so then that way. 
I can do whatever I need to do the rest of the day. End of the workout comes. Dapped it up a little bit. He said, man, thanks for pushing. I needed that today. Thanks for, you know, thanks for making me sure. And it's those little things like the non-athlete. Now, he played a little sports in high school. But the non-athlete, the average Joe that comes in, whether they be – we have high schoolers that come in and train like an athlete, but they don't play a sport. It's just simply making – I think if people are treated that way, if the workout's put in front of them, they do it. And by the end of it, they're, holy shit, I just did that. You know, and for the younger kids, it's like, hey, you guys just did the same drills that the combine guys are going to do in, in two hours when they get in here. You know, and for the adults, it's, hey, you just did something you looked at a board and didn't want to do, but at the end of it, you were like, hey, fuck, thanks for pushing me. You know, so I think it's just kind of being that um, being that voice, being that person, just not letting them bail. Yeah. So easy to so easy not to do something. Right? And yeah. anything. It's the easy path, path of least resistance, easy way out. Yeah, fuck, let's not do it and it's easy. Yeah. And that's that's where I want to get. So go back to the, the transformation project is just simply something to where um, I want ass kickers. You don't have to be the strongest. You don't have to be an athlete. I just want somebody that wants to change. If I come in day one, at the end of week six, I want to be somebody different. Yeah. And let's face it, if I'm an adult and I have a significant other, I want to look good naked. I want to have I want to have that energy. I want to I mean from all different levels, you know. I want to go home and be able to to you know just attack the the other person, you know, mm. just like we did, right? That's, yeah. what, that's what we fell in love with. So let's why do we get away from it? Business, whether you own your own or you work for somebody, you took a job because you thought you'd like it. It's fucking work, right? Exactly. And if it's business, if it's if it's your body, and then you know we haven't even talked spiritually yet, but. It, whatever you, whatever speaks to you, you know. So, so, so Is that what you do? Do you try different workouts with? You know, I, I gotta assume every once in a while you find the person that really is not the athlete. It's somebody mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. going, Andrew, help me. Right. I don't know what to do. I know I need to do something. You know, I mean, I'll try a, a, a shit ton of different things, and it, it's all predicated on what are they looking for. Guys, if they want to look better, they want to look lean and strong. I'm going to focus on some things to just give you the whole beach body, if you will, for lack of better terms. I mean, I hate to to just sell it like that, but, I mean, we're going to give you what you want. Ladies, it's more lean, you know, that sort of stuff. High schoolers, it's they're, they're coming in there because they're awkward. I mean, you know, there's 15, 16, 17-year-olds that they look so goofy walking. So yeah. for them, it's coordination. Yeah. For them, it's just... Well, a lot of young athletes getting into sports, you know, there's, there's a big difference between a five, six year old that's played flag football mm-hmm. and a 16 year old that realizes he's six five <laughs> and goes, shit, let me try to play. And right. when you get that coordination, there's a big difference. Huge. And it's the whole idea of learning your body doing in space, proprioception, well, that's, that's right? That's so, the people that are coming to you that I was talking about that really, you know, they weren't the athlete at five, six, nine, or even 15. Right. You know, so they're trying, but although they do hold the confidence, they know they got to be in shape and know they got to be healthy. You know, how how do you try to modify and get somebody past that idea? We'll mess around with some different things, like a, the adult program. I may make you do um, a single leg squat, but your foot's going to be on a foam pad. So now I take that stability away from you, and you've got to create the stability. You know, um, little things about uh, just using different implements. Kettlebells were huge. I mean, we, there's probably a kettlebell in every single workout. Mm-hmm. And the simple thing is I, I just love them because they're, they're, they don't take up space. They're easy to use, and you can do so much with them. So versatile, right? In 15 minutes with the right kettlebell? Holy shit. I'll, t- I'll come back to something they have. I want to ask you if you've done it. But 
for those adults, it really just is go back to the comfort zone. Too many of us live sedated and too many of us live in our comfort zone so much. Even just taking one foot out of that comfort zone, man, they feel like they're fucking superhuman, right? Because they feel like they like the guy. I mean, the victory. Yeah, I mean, today it was it, he wasn't that that, but you know, you know exactly. You, you get there and you're like, shit, I don't know if I can do this. I don't want to do this. But if it's just simply that that guidance, that 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 set of eyes that's watching to make sure everything's going well, to give that just once or twice throughout the workout, that once one one or two pointed things that you say to them, man, it just gets them. It gets them where they need to be, that's and the difference. And that's and, and so go back again. This whole thing tying into you finding your way. I'll talk to you if you trained in our gym, and let's say you're in the adult group, and there's four, five, six of people in there, right? And they're from all ages. I'm gonna. It's my job, responsibility to talk, learn a little bit, do whatever with you, so I know what to say. And it's kind of a teacher too. You know, you, you can't treat every kid the same way. So I'm not going to treat you the same way as I'm going to treat our 50-year-old tennis playing lady. I'm not going to say the same thing. You, I can drop some F-bombs too and just, you know, like the chef this morning. Yeah, it's fucking 12. You can do 12. Last week you did 10. What's the big deal? You know, you can have a different conversation, um, and that's part of it. That's part of just knowing what to say, when to say it. Uh, and I think you let them find that intrinsic. You're not going to get them off the hook because everybody in their life let them off the hook. Their kids let them off the hook. Their significant other lets them off the hook. They let themselves off the hook. They're the ones that make the most biggest fucking lies to themselves and stories. So it's almost kind of there. We're the reality check. We're the ones saying, you know, if you want something different, you got to be willing to do something different. Right. And, and and I think, you know, the one-on-one training is also is you're teaching the competent. I think, like you said, when we started this podcast, you talked about, you like the teaching aspect of the training, even mm-hmm. itself. And, you know, I love the phrase that my wife uses in her medical treatment. You know, she's an ARMP, which is see one, do one, teach one. You know, and that experience of teaching someone, because, you know, those, like we've been talking about, that haven't been cultivated as athletes, they a lot of them just lack the competence. Yes. And so they can spend one, two, three sessions with you in a one-on-one training, that little bit of competence. All of a sudden, they get a little bit of confidence. And I'm like, shit, I can do this. Yep. I, no, and you're you're exactly right, and I love that phrase. And then I also, we use the one invest, learn, teach. So personally, I invest in mentors. Personally, I invest in coaches. Personally, I invest in programs. Part of this whole message and this, this thing that I'm working on in my wacko head is I've invested in it. I've learned a shit ton. Now i got to go teach it. So same idea to the kids, same idea to the girls program, WellFit. It's one of those things where you've invested your time, energy, and effort. Maybe it's your money. I don't know. But whoever's paying, you've invested time, energy, and effort. You've learned something. The best thing in the world, when we get a new kid in our high school group, depending upon who's there, I'll take one of the better kids, kids that deserved it, earned it, been there two, three years. And when we're going through our dynamic warm-up and stuff like that, I'll have that kid teach the other kid. Right? So then now it's let him or her be a little bit of an authority, you know, they feel good. All of a sudden, shoulders are back, chest out, you know, yeah, I'm teaching this. But they've invested, they've learned. Now it's time for them to teach. Big thing I taught weightlifting in in, in high school, and one of my goals for those kids, you get in PE in public schools, and it's kind of a dumping ground sometimes. You get kids who just fucking transfer in, and they don't even want to be in there. Regardless, my whole goal for those kids was, if you go on your college campus or your 
clubhouse in your development, you go in that weight room, I want you to be able to walk up to a machine or a free weight and know what the fuck to do. You know, you've seen these wacko videos, right, of these guys doing, like, bicep curls with, like, leg curl machines. And you feel so bad for these guys, right? And it's get like, 20 million views. And this son of a bitch is, I mean, he's got to probably change his name and dye his skin because he can't, he can't be the same person after that. My whole goal was, at least when you walk in there, so go back to your competence. You give that person a little bit. Now, all of a sudden, they take it. And I'll tell you what, one of the best things that I do with those high school kids is let them teach. And I don't make a big deal of it. It's, hey, Mikey, everybody's kind of got nicknames, too. So, like, we call this one kid Magic Mike. He doesn't look like Magic Mike from the movie. But it's Magic Mike, teach, uh, teach this kid, um, this is so-and-so, Brooke, Luke, whoever, teach, um, teach them the hip and straight leg series that we do. So, I mean, all of a sudden, it's like, shit, I got to... They get their mind right. They get their focus. They're, you know, and it, if there's a three or four or five other kids in there, even if they don't admit it subconsciously, eventually they want me to ask them to teach the next new person, right? Yeah, they do. So now it's like, okay, I'm just not going to go through the motions anymore. Now I'm going to make sure he notices that I'm doing it right. So it's just, it's, just it's, it's, it's a neat little, you know, not mind game, but you're just letting the kid, you're letting the kid teach. Um you know, I, I usually I wrap up the podcast generally with two of the same questions. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to add a question, actually, to this one with you. Okay. Um, the first question, and I, you talked a lot about it, but uh, if you had to give a message within a minute Ooh. to the children coming up, right? what would that message be? When I when you say children, what, what age group are you talking? I need I need a little. I'll give you hell. I'll give you twenty one and under even. I'll Ooh. give you eighteen and under. Those that okay. have lost the scholarship at twenty and those that think they won it at seven. Right. Number one, stop fucking lying. Okay. I lie to myself. You lie to yourself. We all lie. So stop lying. Okay. Number two, every single person has something to offer. So whether, I don't know your background, I don't know rich, poor, white, black, gay, straight, doesn't matter to me. Everybody has something to offer. So when you're, when you're in front of a person, you have two choices to make. You can impact that person or not impact that person. So I would want you to impact that person for the better. And then thirdly, on that point, one thing my dad always taught me was you always leave a situation better than you found it. could be your room. If you come into your room and it's messy, when you leave, that shit should be cleaned up, right? That's one reason why, not to get too deep, I think I failed when I was coaching. And I don't. I use the word failed as not too heavy. I, I know it's not that, but I didn't leave that place better than when I found it, you know? And that was a humility. I could admit that. I fucked up in, like I said, a lot of ways. I want to I help those young guys not go down the same road. But go back to the not lying. Everybody's got a purpose. Everybody's got something to offer. And when you when you walk away from something, you better make sure you left it better than you found it. Second question is, it may even play off of this, but the second to last question is, what is your life philosophy? Oh man. So, having said what I just said, with the, I got time. So. With the every, I, oh, I thought this was a minute too. I'm just kidding. Brother, you got to take thirty minutes. Off. I think that. Um, I really do believe that we're all put here for a purpose. 
and not to get, again, spiritual, but we will. I was born and raised a Catholic, right? Still go to church. I want to raise my children with something, but I would be lying if I said that I, when I sat in service on Sunday, and I don't, we don't go every Sunday, but I don't need to sit somewhere and let somebody talk to me to feel a presence. My dad's buried. He was cremated. I don't need to go to the cemetery when I go back to New Orleans to feel or to see or to talk to him. You know, early on, I felt like shit if I went back home and didn't go to the cemetery, right? But I realized, fuck, he's not, that's just, that's just that, right? He's not there. That whole spiritual, soulful, you know, so, so I think life philosophy being, um, I've truly learned that everybody's put in your life for a reason. Everybody's taken from you for a reason. Right? Somebody leaves, comes and goes, friends, family members. But when I lost my dad, you fast forward eight months, and all of a sudden I was in a new job and a new setting. Right? That scenario was brought to me right, for what I'm doing now. I would be 350 pounds. I may have had a heart attack by now if I had stayed coaching. I would still be chewing tobacco, fucking a can a day. I would still, there would be so many bad things. I saw my AD and my old principal about a year after they fired me. And they came up and, you know, wanted smiling and shaking hands. And I gave him a big hug. And I was just said, thank you. He looked at me. Not what he expected, right? I said, thanks, man. You got me out of there and I need to get out of there. I was too stubborn to see it. And that was the best thing you ever did for me, so I appreciate it. And it was like he had seen a ghost. Like he didn't know what to think or expect or say or do. But... That being taken away, I'm in a situation right now where I'm very fortunate, where I'm flexible in my schedule. I can coach and train who I want to coach and train. I can get involved in projects like the Welfare Girls Program. I can give back to bigger and better things than me. Hell, fuck, I was in a documentary, right? I was actually on a big screen in a fucking film festival. That's pretty cool. Um, fucking awesome. What you're going to be, right? You're making a documentary? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you you you, you may be in this shit. You keep talking like that, Let, goddamn. Let's go. <laughs> hey, you know what I'll do? Let's do this. Let's film. I'll come up here every so often. You come down every so often. We'll train. We'll fucking get you, you know, superhuman. Like, we'll get you in shape. We'll do some shit. We'll talk about stuff. We'll drink. We'll do whatever. We'll film it, right? Steve, yeah? So, philosophy... I have such a responsibility um, to my children. I was, you know, talking about I used to tease kids. I was put on earth to have kids fucking, you know, beat up your kids. That's half true. Um, but the other half is more um, talking about leaving something better than I found it. When I leave my children, I want them to be better for me having been there. Every training session, one thing that got, I was, I would talk about being stagnant. I was stagnant, man. I was, I didn't even like training in, anymore. Because I, I didn't grow. I thought it was somebody else's fault. I thought it was... So I started reading a lot, listening a lot, doing a lot. It's on me to grow. So now it's every training session. Call the kids by name. Tell jokes. Leave them better than when they came in. So I, I, I think that we could fucking talk forever, but I think that's what it is, man. If um if I have to say it, it's it's... I know there's something bigger and better than me. I try to listen to whatever they are trying to tell me. 
And on the flip side, I try to take whatever they're trying to tell me and, and use it for better. So when, I, when I'm in a house, a community, a gym, a podcast, I leave it better than when I walked in. Simple as that. And that's the cognitive rampage. What's the third question? The third question, I think you answered it, actually, because <laughs> I don't think it can get any deeper. Because my question would be, what drives you daily? To be better than I was yesterday. And that's a little bit different than leaving something better than I found it. And I, and I say that for the simple fact of this. Um, I used to compete against other teams. I used to compete against other people, right? Even in the gym setting, I like CrossFit. We don't do CrossFit, but I like it. I just like the raw guys with their shirts off, shit, no air conditioning. We're in a country club, goddammit. I mean, we have air conditioning and chair rails in our room. I mean, it's, 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 I like the competition angle. It's primal. Yeah, fuck right. It, it's, I like the competition, but I learned too, for me personally, and I'm not speaking in general, I'm speaking personally, that I think that, um, I'm better off competing with just me. Am I a better dad today than I was yesterday? I drive my son to school every morning and I'm still trying to figure out part of this other project that I want to work on. How to be more connected with the little ones. When he, when he, education, right? So whether you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter. When I, he's excited about school before school and after school. Well, who sees him before school? Me. Who picks him up? Me. So I can influence in a way, I can let him influence in a way by asking certain questions. And he hates that I ask this question. And I don't even know, you can tell me if it's a, you got a better one. When I pick him up, what was the best part of your day? And typically as a six and seven year old, he's like, man, lunch, P.E. <laughs> My daughter's been hanging out with your son. And I was like, man, I made your lunch. I know it was good, you know? So, but it's, uh, and when I leave him, when, 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 when I drop him off, it's one of those just simple fact of, um, hey, let's, uh, I mean, I don't even talk, we don't even talk grades. We don't even talk. Like, how'd you do? Performance. No. You talk. I talk, hey, let's make sure we listen to our teachers and let's make sure we have fun today with our friends. Yeah. Just, it, so, so I, you know, I think that, um, I don't even know where I was going with that. But, but just having the, uh, being able to influence the little ones. Um, I think that's what drives you. No, go back to the teaching. You know, it's a, it's a responsibility of being there for my kids being a better dad, that's where I was going, being a better dad. So if I can influence him today, like, like he knew that I was coming here, so I didn't pick him up from school. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was more of a deal to me to where it was like, Man, I'm sacrificing going to pick him up. It's all right. But I'm going to, you know, it's just those little things where um, I was thinking of going, stopping at a friend's house in Tampa on the way back home, but he's got a game tomorrow. I want to make his game tomorrow. You know, it's those little bitty things. So I think what drives me is just, man, just getting out of bed. The second thing not to leave her out is just being a better husband. You know, I was such a dick for so long. Coaching football, I would leave when it was dark, and I'd come home when it was dark. My son was born the first day of two days. I didn't see him until January. My daughter, my, sec my first daughter, my second child, was born the first Monday of spring practice. So you know what goes on summertime football-wise, right? So I didn't see her until basically the next December. This last one, the, the one-year-old, another daughter, 
I mean, I go home with her every Friday afternoon. I let the nanny go home, and I have – she's the first one I've seen since birth. To, you know, and so that's why I'm blessed to be able to have the schedule I have. I can take kids to school, pick them up from school, got a doctor's appointment, I can take them, the whole deal. Um, but I didn't see my first two. Didn't even really see my wife. I'd say stupid shit when, you know, she's on maternity leave. And I'd be like, weren't you in that this morning when I left? And she about killed me. But it was just, that was just, I mean, fuck, I was stupid, right? So if I can be a better dad and be a better husband, all the other stuff, I don't think it really matters. My friend, I love chatting with you, dude. Same here. This is killer, man. Uh, you heard it here first on the Cognitive Rampage. A whole bunch of cool, deep love, serious, dry stuff, man. That that philosophy speaks deep to me, man. Um, ah, I'm going to leave it at that, Steve. My boy Andrew killed it on the Cognitive Rampage with that last one, man. I'm going to leave it there, dude. Thanks, Adam. It was an honor to be here. Thank you, man. Um, where can people find you? Twitter. Give, give the whole rundown. Any shout-outs, any love, any Twitters, any lookouts. Put it out. Gotcha, gotcha. So, uh, again, like we said a couple times, I'm at Total Athletic Performance. Uh, Twitter is at Tap Naples, T-A-P, Naples. Uh, website is tapnaples.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Look us up, please. we got a bunch of cool stuff. Even if you just follow us, we're posting stuff and, and sending out some pictures and some free stuff. So do that. Personally, um, my Twitter is uh, at N8, I-N8, the number, FIT, F-I-T. That's another whole thing we didn't talk about. But um, N8 Fitness and Wellness is a little something that I started where – it's a lot of stuff I do online, but it's more on the mindset stuff. So N8, I believe everything that we need. Where's the best place they can find that info to be able to connect with you on that level? Twitter. is N8 Fit. Message me on Twitter. Or then my email is coach, C-O-A-C-H-A-W-M, at Gmail. Uh, we're in the process of building on our website and that sort of thing. But the whole idea behind it was I believe everything that we have or everything that we need, we already have, Right. Everything's innate to us. So if you're talking about fitness and wellness, we've, we've been given what we need, right? Yep. So if you look at the logo uh, on my Twitter, it, you know, the eight is actually split in, in half. So it looks like an E and then a three, right? And the E3 is envision, embody, and embrace, right? So whatever you want, whatever Adam wants, whatever a listener wants, envision it, step one. And we talk about how to do that and different things. Then you got to embrace it. We, it's going to take a certain action plan and a goal map and a flow chart, everything to get there. And then you got to embody it. You got to live it. You got to do. You got to do the work. Do your job. You know, we say do the fucking work. You've heard it all the time, right? It's just it's one of those. We're all such instant gratification. Everything's in front of us. But lack of better terms, man. If if I want the million dollars a year. I want the house, the cars. If I want the schools, the family, the this, the that, I got to work for it. Take it back to I want just the family. I want just the kid. I got to work on the family. I got to work on the kids. So it's do your job. Do you, do the work. Um, so that's how that came about. My wife, God bless her, is a physician assistant. And so she's one of the ones we're going to do a podcast with. She's been very fortunate to work with a dermatologist. She's in dermatology. So if you guys ever need any dermatology things we can hook you up um 
My wife's a nurse practitioner, ARMP. Yeah, so same there, job. There you go. And uh, she hooked up with a. Sorry, dur- honey, not the same job. I know. Don't. I love you. I know what you meant. We'll, we'll get yelled at. You're right. I'm saving my own ass. I hear you. I hear you. Um, and no, so she she doesn't believe me yet, but she's a better teacher than I am, and she needs to give her message to other PAs. How do you go into a contract negotiation? How do you go to these things, right? So let's fucking put some stuff out there to where a physician assistant student, she teaches the Durham section at Nova Southeastern, FGCU's getting one. Nova, that's where my degree's from. Really? There you go. Shout, Shout out, out to Nova Southeastern University. And she teaches the Durham section for the PA program there. So it's one of those things where it's there, babe. Just let's get it done, you know. So we formed this innate fitness and wellness um, little corporation just to start to lay the seed, you know. Where it goes, I don't know. Um, but it's it's the second passion of mine where I can really deal with maybe you are a person that can't reach our facility. Maybe you are a person that doesn't necessarily want to know how to do a kettlebell RDL, right? But yet you want some coaching and mentoring and you're not sure where and how to get it. Well, let's strip the fitness away. Maybe we'll get the fitness. I don't know. But let's strip the fitness aspect away and let's just be real like we're talking here. You know, and, and I've had a couple clients where we've just done – some one-on-ones in town, and I've had one back from home in New Orleans where we've done some Skype sessions, and it's just this, and this is what I like, man. This is just, it's just, let's be real raw. You let the other person, their wheels start spinning, those light bulbs go off, they direct what they want. So, so yeah, man, if, if people check out those websites and that Twitter feed, we're more than happy to help and be there for them. Beautiful, and uh, as well as uh, Total Athletic Performance, right? What's that website? TapNaples.com, T-A-P-N-A-P-L-E-S.com. Beautiful, man. Uh, you'll come back on, right? Hell yeah, I'll come back on. Hey, real quick, the other thing I should have said, too, is um, for any listeners out there, make sure you check out the WellFit program. Go to um, jillwheeler.com and select the WellFit Girls program, or you can go to wellfitgirls.org. And we're a nonprofit. Uh, you'll see a little trailer from this past year's Peru trip, and you'll see if you go to Warrior One, that's Warrior One, the, the uh, word one, O-N-E, Dot com. You'll see the trailer from the documentary and kind of give you a little bit of idea of what we do. But, yeah, man, we're trying to impact uh, communities one girl at a time, and eventually we'll get the guys. Man, I'm a huge fan of that, being I have a 15-year-old daughter. So um, big love to, to those uh, programs that you're running, man. But uh, thanks again, man. Thank you. For chatting with me. Uh, thanks for listening uh, to the Cognitive Rampage. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you know where to find us, iTunes, Stitcher, website, adamlowry.com, cognitiverampage.com, iTunes, just search Cognitive Rampage. We're all over the place. You can find it on YouTube as well. Um, a lot of big things still going, but thanks for joining us. Um, love you all, man. Love you, Andrew. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you. Hey, I want you to check out uh, another podcast that I listened to uh, with two friends of mine. Uh, That's my buddy Chris Fisher and his friend Jesse Cage in the FNK podcast. You can catch them at um, fisherandcage.com, but uh, look them up on iTunes. They're a great podcast. I love listening to the fellas each week, but that's the FNK podcast. We're sponsored today by Counseling and Psychological Services of Central Florida. That's cpscfl.com. It's a private counseling practice 
backed by Dr. Parker Mott, uh, a psychologist who offers comprehensive services, individual counseling, children, couples, family, depression, grief, the list goes on and on. Anything in the mental health realm that you could be dealing with, Counseling and Psychological Services of Central Florida can meet those needs for you. You can find them at cpscfl.com. They're at 310 Dillard Street, Suite 190 in Winter Garden, Florida. You can reach the office directly at 407-347-0661. That's Counseling and Psychological Services of Central Florida, cpscfl.com, providing high-quality therapeutic services in a professional and comfortable setting.